So, fun fact for everybody, just something I want to put out there because I think it's hilarious. Uh, the headphones that I use while I'm recording this podcast are fairly new, fa- fairly decent, but they... I don't know if they're just not made properly or they're made too well, but I live right next to a radio station and it just very faintly picks up what they are doing. So this entire time I've been recording this podcast, I have been hearing just the faintest of country music the entire <laughs> damn time. So if I'm ever seeming aggravated, that's probably why. <laughs> well, how much do they love their truck right now? Uh, hold on. I literally hear the lyrics driving down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but are they going toward their ex or away from their ex? Is this the Take Me Back or the Revenge song? Oh, it's it's um, Take Me Home to the Place I Belong. It's West Virginia. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, so they want to go back. I see. Okay, yeah. Longing. Got there we it. go. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, yep. welcome to Design Dorks, our monthly podcast where we talk about games and the news and all that other good stuff. I am the Duke of Dorks, one of your co-hosts, and joining me as always. This is me. It's Pyrrhic Kong. There's no bit. It's just me. You're welcome. <laughs> After all this time, it's just you. It's still you. I don't. I can't remember yep. the Undertale quote. It's fine. Uh, it's despite everything. It's still you. There you go. All right. There you go. Yeah. See. This is why I have an inconsistent subscriber base. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't that Diddy Kong video do better? That was so good. Okay, you know what? The best part about that is that it was retweeted to Kev Bayless, the artist who made Diddy Kong, and he said that it was wonderful. And I got to just exchange one Twitter reply from him, and he said, I hope I'm not done with Diddy yet. And that meant the world to me. Okay, that's that's a win. That that beats 100,000 views, no question. 100,000 views would be nice on top of it, however. <laughs> I, I, I do find it kind of ironic that Diddy Kong has been so forgotten that people can't find the video. Well, no, it's being recommended from what I can tell. It was recommended. It just has a low click-through rate compared to my other videos. So people just don't care about Diddy Kong, which is the point of the video. So, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Validation. I, I am correct. Damn. And also, I think YouTube is dinging me for inconsistent uploads, so. Eh. Freaking YouTube. It happens. I'll figure it out. Consistency is going to be the goal coming up, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, stay tuned. You'll you'll find out about that soon. Yep. How many people are working on that now? Um, five. I'm looking to expand to six. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm getting art for it, so seven. Seven. Alrighty. So. Almost have a full fellowship. Excellent. But yeah, guys, welcome. We're here. We're talking about video games. And a lot of news happened. We didn't play a lot of video games, but we played some video games. We'll tell you about those video games. Life will happen. But first, K. Rule Watch. That's right. It's King K. Rule. So, there was a Nintendo Direct... The crux, the very cradle of life for Nintendo, from which all theories, all life spawn, and everyone gets absolutely insufferable about. <laughs> Worst cycle in games. I love it so and much, from though. from that, someone appeared. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, returning to the Mario spin-off lineup, 
It is Pauline! I feel like that was like, of the Mario Sports dartboard, that was like adjacent to K. Rule, but just not quite there. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's not showing up this year, is he? <laughs> I think there's still a chance. I think that was like the the odds just heavily swung into my favor after that direct, but the, the, it's not over yet. I am practicing singing. <laughs> uh, but hey, Diddy Kong's back. Diddy Kong is back. We will talk about that later, and I'm very happy. I'm so glad I willed this into existence. Me. <laughs> and you never know, like, he might- K. Rule might be the Wave 3. He hasn't been with anything else since, like, Mario Sluggers, but it could be this one? You don't have to tell me that K. Rule hasn't been in things. I've, I've been watching. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I know where he's at. I know where he's not. And it appears he's not in the year 2022. It's not looking good. I'm just waiting for like the weirdest out of left field inclusion of him. Like there's a rabid version of him in Sparks of Hope, but there's no Donkey Kong or something like that. I would that. cry, but I would be so happy. There'd be endless, endless tears for that. <laughs> just watch his fucking Lord Frederick. <laughs> showing up in the rabid ass game. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I'd feel so bad for you, but I'd never stop laughing. I would fume forever. Whew. Okay, so, video games exist. Yes, Shall we just do. go through them? Let's, yeah. let's do so. Uh, I think I can start, because I need to follow up on something from last time. Oh yeah, go for it. I am happy to say that after the promise I made last time that I have beat Live Alive <sighs> near Dude, future. nice. Less nice. Sorry. <laughs> I got, I got through one of them. That's okay, that's okay. We can talk about near future. I'm happy to do so. Yeah, I, oh, man, I, I love the... That anime intro was was golden. J j just oh, it the, is. Just the singing, the... I wasn't expecting that much from... Like, I, you described it, but I was not expecting him to go that hard. Oh, no, it's perfect. It's perfectly outlined. I believe it's the uh, singer who did the original Dragon Ball Z intro. Yeah, yeah, you, you mentioned that before. Yeah. I mentioned a lot of things. I don't remember that. <laughs> But yeah, what did you think of the chapter overall? I think it's like probably of the seven, the most traditional RPG-ish one. I think it was from a combat side, definitely my favorite. I loved the kind of puzzle setup of trying to get around all the robots to kill whatever person was driving them. Yes. That was way more interesting than the, um, the combat system in Live Alive is fun, but it's very much just, okay, look at what they're weak to use that button. Mm -hmm. But there's, but now you're kind of dancing around opponents, which is using the um, positional-based mechanics to its fullest, which is a lot yes. of fun. Yeah. Um, I love the, um, just the vibes of the characters in general. Just, like, having the turtle along with you, just in a robotic shell. Yes. That's, that's just great. Liquefied turtle brain. His little voice whenever he does a move is everything to me. Yes. Uh, did you fuse the goldfish blaster for him? I haven't found it yet, but I, I I looked at just kind of how to upgrade him, and I've been trying to do so. Very satisfying character to upgrade. Agreed. Like, I almost prefer that system of just, like, equipping different things to get unlock different abilities than I do, like, the traditional level-up system. Definitely. Uh, how do you like Akira? Uh, he's pretty great. I meant the movie. Oh, isn't that his name in the game? In the... It is. Okay, <laughs> I've never, I've never seen the movie, unfortunately. Ah, I see. When you see Akira, you'll be like, oh, oh, this really likes Akira, doesn't it? 
Yeah, but it, 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 was, it was a great time. I, I love the fusing of different materials, just being like, just constantly giving them to things and just like, huh? Mm-hmm. Eureka, I've got it. Yeah. Oh, God. Doc Tobey's voice acting in this is so it, good. It's so good. Fantastic voice uh, acting all around. Uh, did you do the panty raid? Part? Oh, is that what that is? What, what he's trying to get the kid to get grab? Yes. Okay. No, I have not. Uh, it's one of my favorite little jokes because eventually you do get it and she catches you and she slaps you and he goes, wow, I got Tycho's furious fist. <laughs> and he does the weapon get animation and then you can equip her fist memory of her punch to you and it just reads the furious fist of a woman who is done with your shit (laughs) (laughs) it is my favorite weapon that's great uh but yeah this loves modern science fiction uh matango is i believe based on a japanese horror movie about a drug that people take and it turns them into like mindless mushroom people Mm-hmm. So there's obviously that reference, obviously contemporary references to Akira and all sorts of basic science fiction, and then big Mazinger vibes with that, and just that final sequence. Oh yes, oh yes. I ah, uh, th- th- there's a simple joy to just giant robots. I love, right? I love giant robots so much. Just uh, there, there's always this thrill for me of. Playing as a character who is so blatantly overpowered, just playing as a boss character in an RPG. Yeah, absolutely. And just the little things like the scale of it all and just how small the planes are when you fight them. It's, it's so good. It's so good. I, I, I enjoyed that. I don't. I still think um, I enjoyed Wild West and um, uh, uh, ne- not, not Far Future the most. But this, th- this is a respectable third. I enjoyed it a lot. I could definitely agree with that. This is the chapter that was improved the most by just the quality of life features of Live Alive. Just being able to tell what you have to interact with next helps it tremendously. Yeah, where to go. I, I, could, I could see myself getting lost in that. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah, And just like, okay, talk to them. Okay, scan their brain now. Okay, <laughs> is this it? Which one do I do? Oh, yeah, and the being able to read people's thoughts is a, is a fun way of just getting extra dialogue in a game. It is. Uh, also, shout-outs to making the Watanabe joke really, really depressing and plot-relevant this time. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. Just an intro. Ow. Well, no, that's your dad, but uh, the kid, Watanabe, and his dad. Oh, right. Stop. Yeah, the the, uh, the uh, Ed 209 man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, Life Alive's a great game. Yeah. Uh, I, I will admit, I'm not... I, I tried to get into Twilight of Edo. I'm not enjoying it as much. I think I need just a guide to get through a pacifist. You do. Okay. Like, you absolutely do. I mean, you can just save on rooms and reset, but there are some things that are a little bullshit. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, for example, free advice to everyone. Do not save the prisoner. If you save the prisoner, you can't complete the pacifist run. Which is kind of dumb, but oh well. Yeah, especially since the minimap leads you to him now. Yeah, for that one, I really think it's just do the best you can on your first run and then replay for pacifist or kill them all. Yeah, but I, it's also I, I real long. I tried kill them all, and then it just becomes like a, a scavenger hunt where you're just kind of worried about being like, okay, have I gotten everything in this area? There's people hiding in little nooks and crannies. Yeah, which admittedly is pretty fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Like, there's one point where there's, like, a demon, and you have to kill all of the people that he's about to kill before he can. Oh. So that you can go, no, no, this is mine. <laughs> You're not kill-stealing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll get to that eventually. Maybe, maybe next month. Sorry, I was working on a DDD video. <laughs> I get it. I'm happy with it. <laughs> then it was worth it. And uh, my, my other short one, just uh, somehow still playing multiverses. I was really expecting to bounce off at this point, but I think that I might soon, because it's starting to get to the point that people are starting to get good at the game. People are learning combos. Mm. Yeah. And in a 2v2 setting, getting stuck in a blender is just twice as just like, okay, I might as well just put down the controller now. Uh, I'd like to congratulate Rick on ruining any ability for a portal character to get in because he perfected it. Right? Oh my gosh. Like That said about the demoralization, like, Rick is so fun in that way. Just being able I to, like... I hate that he looks that fun. Like, literally being able to set up portals and, like, shoot through them at other people. I, it's so good. When I saw he could combo that and he had Ganon stomp, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Rick might be really fun. Yeah, I'm going to be really upset if I love Rick. <laughs> uh, being able to hit people into their your portal and it'll immediately portal them back to you. And you, like, set up a little thing, a projectile to, like, polymorph them when they get back to you. And it'll mega mushroom you at the same time. It, it, it's a hilarious setup character. Yeah, I hate how perfect that is. Damn it. Sending up the me-seeks as well for the golf swings. Look at me. Yep. Uh, Gizmo is actually really fun, too. I wasn't expecting oh, that. Oh, Nice. He's got this funny thing where um he can throw um popcorn into the air and it'll kind of just linger for a bit. Uh huh. At which point he can also um his his like neutral jab like his basic attack is just him charging a bow which he can move while okay. he's using it. And the um the bow lets him fire after a short amount of time. And if you shoot the popcorn with the bow, the popcorn mm -hmm. will explode in whatever direction you shoot it in for insane damage. Okay, that's fun. It's, it's a really fun thing to try to dance around to keep yourself between your opponent and the popcorn. I like that. You know, this is just telling me that setup moves mean so much more in a platform fighter and yeah. how underutilized they really are. Like, there's even more you can do with it. Like, you can sing music notes, which will start orbiting the popcorn as well. And if you shoot the uh, popcorn when there's music notes orbiting around it, it'll fire the music notes as well in a shotgun blast. Oh, that's fun. And the music notes silence, so they can't use abilities. Like, it, there's so much at work with Gizmo. And he can do all of it while riding piggyback on another fighter. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, I like him. He's adorable. I love Good it. Good boy. Like, I don't know if I'm going to keep playing it as much, but it's still pretty fun. I will wait on it because from what I can tell, the battle pass uh, requirements are incredibly stringent. And I am a person who likes to clear battle passes. Ah, and I, I feel like that will dominate too much of my attention because I'm like, no, I want cross-dressing bugs, though. <laughs> that is fair. You that don't fair. understand how much that means to me. <laughs> uh, that's all the short ones I have, though. Uh, what what you been playing? Alrighty. So uh, to tie into a news story that I guess I'll just toss out now, uh, Mario Kart Tour in about three days, October 4th, will no longer have gotcha elements in its game it is removing its pipe system where you basically spend in-game currency to get 10 random draws from a warp pipe and is just letting you uh go to the shop and buy characters like a real person uh so i was like huh there's probably going to be a lot of rewards to wait for this and sure enough there was 
So I've been playing Mario Kart Tour, and am I going to be brave to say that it's my favorite Mario Kart? Because, oh. like, name a great Mario Kart. And for all of you saying Mario Kart 8... Double Dash. No, nah, it's a standard... Double Dash I tried to play recently, and it's a little... It just feels clunky to me. Like, you turn really, really wide in it. And, like, you can make it work, and it does have an addictive gameplay loop, but I feel like for a long time, Mario Kart has been very, very, very focused on its basic gameplay loop, and what it is, to me, is a game of items. Mario Kart is always a game of trying to get the right item, use it at the right time, and if you get screwed, well, you get screwed. Yeah. It doesn't ever feel like a great racing game, and it's certainly, for me, no longer an enjoyable single-player game. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tour is a really enjoyable single-player game. The whole thing is just maintaining a steady combo thing, slowly getting new characters, because each character has their own specific item, which can be better, and some of them have favorite tracks as well, which means that if you use, say, Donkey Kong on Dino Dino Jungle, he gets three items from item boxes. And obviously you can see with the gotcha system how this is like, no, I need golden charge and chuck for this course, or else I'm stuck with only two items. And if you get three items of the same item from an item box, you go into a frenzy. And that gives you a star automatically that you automatically use, and you have infinite uses of whatever item you pulled for the duration of that star. That's hilarious. Okay. And that feels really really good and then you're simultaneously pulling off combos and you get up to like big like 120 trick combos in these and there's just something like mark artur only has two lap races mm-hmm. and that feels better i like that more really okay yeah just because i just get to focus on the purity of the item run I get to enjoy that. I get to be like, yeah, I'm Petey Piranha. That's great. If my run isn't going great, I just reset really quick on the second lap so that I don't have to go, well, maybe I'll come back for this third lap. I don't know. It fits the bite-sized elements of Mario Kart that I'm, I'm looking for because Mario Kart isn't even a top three game in its own genre of kart racers specifically. What is the best in your opinion? Just out of curiosity. Crash, Crash Team Racing. Okay. Yeah. Like, by far. That's not just the top game. That, that's a top 10 game, period, for me. And then there's Diddy Kong Racing, and there's Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a distant fourth to those three. Because I barely feel like racing matters in this. For this, it gives me something different. And I like that more. So inherently, I'm going to like it more than the rest of the Mario Kart franchise. It even has missions. You know that thing from DS that everyone likes? It has it. Huh. I I was kind of surprised by the bold statement at first, but I I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, and I know people hate it because it's a gotcha game and it's a mobile game, but now it's no longer a gotcha game. So in in reality, you're just a coward. (laughs) Can't accept that mobile games are advancing and they're great. But, but no, if, if you like the Mario Kart series and I'm pissing you off, that's absolutely fine. I'm not looking for what Mario Kart is giving me anymore, and this is giving me different and is also giving me playable Dixie Kong, who is not playable in any other Mario Kart. Is K. Rulantor? No. Yeah. 
but Funky is, so. Okay. And Funky has a great, unique item where he just gets two cannons that launch bananas in front of you. Yes. It's so good, but it's so hard to avoid your own bananas. So it's a great risk-reward weapon, and then if you get enough if you pull enough funkies, he upgrades at level four, and then sometimes his banana cannons shoot giant bananas that split into more bananas. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I can see the appeal there. It, the way you're describing this kind of makes me want, like, a Mario auto battler. Yeah, it'd just, be like, great. Combining, like, I'm just picturing Funky Kong as a backline unit, just with a cannon over his head, just firing infinite bananas onto a board. Exactly. Like, this is actually doing shit with the Mario cast. You all want that, right? No? I just I just hate playing games on my phone. I'm sorry. I, I get it, but, like, it helps me fall asleep. Like, my brain just gets to shut off. I go, brr, Petey Piranha Boomerang. <laughs> I miss Petey. Oh, he'll come back someday. I have a lot of people I miss. Uh, anyway, then I went back to the Capcom Fighting Collection, and I picked up Red Earth. Okay, which one is Red Earth? The the Lion Man one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is probably the most insidious arcade game I have ever seen made. Oh, Because also- the idea of it is there are only four playable characters. And okay. they start at level one. And you go, this is a fighting game. That sounds weird. Yes. So what you do is you go around to unique boss characters, and they're like amazingly designed, super detailed, giant sprite boss characters. Like one is, um, shoot, what, what do you call it? It's what Omanite is. Uh, oh, 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 da, da, I know, Ammonite. I know this, yes. Yeah, Am- Ammonite. He's got a giant Ammonite head on a Poseidon body with a tentacle legs. With a giant trident. And he summons little octopuses to toss you around and stuff while also stabbing you. Or a giant harpy. Or a Cleopatra-looking woman who then fuses with four animals to become a chimera inside of a sphinx. And these are really cool-looking big bodies that you can never play as. One is just a T-Rex. Yo! I want to play as a T-Rex? Yeah, no, you can't. You can only fight him. And for every time that you fight them, if you do a combo, they drop orbs, and those give you experience. And every time that you earn enough experience, you level up, and you say, gain a resistance to fire, gain a resistance to wind. And more interestingly, at some levels, you gain new moves. You only start with like two or three commands, and then expand to about seven or eight different attacks. And you get to do wild, wild stuff. Now, the issue is this is an arcade game, and it's really, really hard. So you're going to be putting in a ton of money to beat these bosses who are overpowered that get less overpowered the more you play it. And you get a password system to write down so that you have your password and can carry on your character in any arcade as you go on. That's cool. I like that. But then there's a versus mode, so your friends have to also level up their characters to keep up with your leveled up character. Hey, hang on. Are you saying that this game did Amiibo, like Smash Brothers Amiibo, like 20 years before they even existed? Yes. That's awesome. But the level up process is agonizingly slow, so you would have to spend so, so much money 
to get a full level 32 versus level 32 showdown. Like, if this game was successful, it would have eaten up so much money. It is almost vile in how smartly made it is for the arcade scene, and sad in how late it was made. The game is pretty good. Like, the appeal of it is definitely just the level-up system. I I think the characters are neat. It's it's definitely a game that evolved from Street Fighter 1 instead of Street Fighter 2, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Uh, as a fighting game, I think it's aight. Just aight? Just aight. Okay. I, I played as the uh, Kung Fu girl because she, she had a Shoryuken. And she also had a really cool move where she jumps onto the wall and then does the Chie Huata flying kick off of it. <laughs> but it's on fire. Nice. And that was really, really useful for some bosses. God, this game is really, really cool. If it was successful, it would have been a force. Thank God it wasn't successful. How much money do you think it would have spent? Just, just like a rough average. I'm curious. How much would I have spent on it just getting through a single playthrough of it? Well, well, both that and just kind of just what in terms of like Diablo Immortal taking like a small mortgage to max out, what would it have taken to max out this game? Um, well, it games overs you after you beat the final boss. And I was about level, I want to say seven with a full run through. Okay. So that's at least six full clears while doing good long combos because you get extra XP for doing longer combos. And I had to retry every boss at least once, except except actually the Harpy. I beat Harpy first try. But then one boss took me like a solid 20 tries to beat. So I, I feel like reasonably, if you were good at fighting games, it would take at least $50 to just get to a level 32 character. And that's just one character. That's one character, and it's considering that this isn't Baby's first fighting game. Yeah, which back then, it kind of had to be. Yeah. Okay, so, so a bit of an insidious pricing, but that's arcades in general back then. You can't really fault that. We, yeah, no, I, I respect the hustle. Like, this is a brilliantly designed game. It's just kind of evil. <laughs> I respect it. It's just kind of evil. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the witch, Tessa, she was really fun. She has a bunch of charge moves. Like, uh, her heavy attack is just she throws out a magician's pigeon, and you can hold the button like a Mega Man charge buster to send out the pigeon further. Okay. And that's fun. It makes her a really fun setup character. Uh, Leo, the lion man, is just you hit buttons, and he has really strong normals, so you don't have to worry about anything else. And I didn't play the ninja. But there's a ninja. But yeah, uh, great game, evil. Nice. That That's my summary. <laughs> All right, and that's it for me for Shorty Boys. Okay, so for my medium one, and really the realistically the only game I've really been playing. So, um, hi everyone, welcome back to TFT Edix Nominus. My name is Duke. It's nice to be here. I, I have a, such a problem with team fight tactics. It, it's it's disgusting. But like, it's my favorite game to play with my brother because y- you just have that team. Con- it, it's it's deck building with a friend, and you what you build you can send to them. And it's just oh, it's it's infinite possibilities. It's so fun. Uh, the set seven point five released, kind of like a kind of like a half expansion pack that they do to like 
just kind of freshen up the sets before they like completely scrap everything and start with new units. Right. It's pretty cool. It's themed after dragons, so obviously there's lots of dragons, and I like dragons, so that's fun. Nice. Um, there's cool new traits. There's a trait that gives everyone goodies every time a unit casts an ability, which encourages you to just build solely, like, mana items and survival. You don't want to kill your enemies. You want to cast your ability over and over and over again, which is just a fascinating uh, yep. way to... It's like a, ma- a, a mana farm from Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I see how this is becoming addicting. Just like, a, ooh, I can do this with this. What if I combo this with this? Yo, the thing, though. Exactly. I, I like watching the numbers go up. Uh, yeah, th- but you can do it in so many different ways. Exactly! You get it! <laughs> I played Yu-Gi-Oh! I get it! Uh, there's so many fun new units. There's a derpy-looking raptor that, for his ability, will just turn into a Blanca ball and just dive into the back line while screaming at the top of its lungs. I like I, that. It's a really shrill scream. It's hilarious. Uh, but I, Can I you imitate the scream? Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I need that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You may continue. I don't watch. Uh, there, there's a there's a trait that makes it so that you can um you can sacrifice one unit to give every other unit of that trait the same item that you have. So you can basically like create like five copies of a single item, which is insane in that game. So okay. Like, oh, all these items cr- make everybody next to you get higher attack speed. If all of them are standing next to each other and they all get that item, they all become buzz sauce. It's lovely. Uh, yep. Hmm. That final level completion bit is just, ugh, oh, that's such a sexy thing to get. Yeah, it's just, plan comes together, and you just, you just gotta bask in the brilliance of what you've created. And, and then just the random, just stuff that can happen that'll just make your day. I kinda wanna tell a story. I think I'm gonna spend this segment, because I've, I've talked about the game mechanics to death, I'll, t- I'll tell a story today. Hit me. Uh, so there's an augment you can randomly get in this game, just a, a little power-up you get that kind of just passively buffs your entire board. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an augment called Think Fast. It's in the same tier of rarity as, like, uh, boosts, like, make all your units immune to stuns, or, like, putting two more units on your board, which is, like, really insane buffs. But mm-hmm. Think Fast gives you zero stat buffs whatsoever. Instead, it makes it so you can refresh your shop, your choice of units, as many times as you possibly can for free until your turn ends. Literally, you that have to think fast. That sounds gross. It is terrifying. Normally panic-inducing, but I cheated the system. Uh, there's a trait called Astral that was reworked for this game. Uh, makes it so that it'll give you a reward every single turn based on how high of a level your units are. Uh, the, the levels in these sorts of games, you find three of unit, it up, ups a level, you find three of those two level units, you get a uh, yep. superpower three unit. Uh, it can be strong, Astral, but it's heavily luck-based as if you can... It only works if you can find all the units you need. Unless, of course, you can roll infinitely at the beginning of the game, where three of the units have a high chance of showing up anyway, and immediately putting, like, all... Yeah, I had the exact amount of gold to just, like, perfectly slot... Okay, I got three stars of each of these beginner units. And being able to put, um, nine levels of that trait on the board before you've ever fought a human opponent is giving you bonuses that you shouldn't feasibly have until you're, like, halfway through the game. So that's already disgustingly overpowered. Yeah, no, it sounds it. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was basically handed a free win right at the beginning. <laughs> but, but to kind of balance the traits, to get the rest of the astral units maxed out, you kind of had to sacrifice your ability to find rarer units, as you have to keep searching and searching for some rarer mid-cost units and completely miss out on your late-game powerhouse. It, it, right. Like, th- there's thought processes put into this. But then the, uh, the second augment rolls around, and what do you know? 
The game throws me an augment that makes it so every time I uh, refresh my shop, I get experience to find the rare units at the same time. So, I can't lose at this point. I both yeah. have an economy and I'm getting stronger. I'm growing faster than everyone else while I'm winning all my battles and finding everything I needed. I was destroying the lobby so quickly that it would have been impossible to max out my late game unit because there was just no time. Uh-huh. But then the game decides to throw one more middle finger at the other people I was playing with and gave me the loaded dice augment, which when you use it on a unit, it makes it so your shop appears with all of the same, um, what will appear in your shop is the same trait that unit has. So if you use an, a loaded dice on an astral unit, you'll only get astral units in your shop. And if you've already maxed out your astral units, you can't find those in the shops. So you'll only get the ones that you don't have. If you've maxed out all of them, except for the late game powerhouse, you only get that units in the shop. This sounds like... This sounds like something that would be emergency banned if it were in a card game. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was completely uncounterable. Like, there's nothing that anybody else could have done to stop me in that game, because I was literally getting everything I needed before they even had a chance to try to steal it from me. Yeah, no, that that sounds tier zero as fuck, my dude. It, it was hilarious. But, like, it's so rare to get that specific setup of augments that it's it's kind of fine. I was just a lucky bastard, and it was beautiful, and I loved it so much. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah. this... I hope I have explained why I have an addiction to this game, because it's... It's a yeah, problem. <laughs> I get it. I understand. So, so if, if anybody out there like likes the League of Legends universe but doesn't want to play the game, first of all, good for you. That's the right choice. But like, if you just want like a taste of those characters, Teamfight Tactics is fun. It's simple. It's easy. If we haven't talked about Teamfight Tactics and Arcane and every other branching bit of the league universe and are excited for project l then like if if you've gone through all of that and are like huh i don't know then go for it <laughs> and the music team's amazing and the writers are pretty good for the stories like it, it's so crazy how everything revolving around that brand is amazing except for the actual thing that's based off of yeah that's all i got about team fight tactics what you got uh so speaking of Games where you uh, deviate and have a... Fuck. No, I fucked that up. <laughs> I tried to set you up. Nope, you're on your own now. <laughs> no, I get you. So I've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Poke Duel, and this is a ROM hack of Pokemon Fire Red, which replaces all of the Pokemon with Yu-Gi-Oh! monsters. And they did an amazing job with this, because there are, like, around 300 of them. Yo, I've never heard I know. of this. I'm looking it up right now. This looks sick. Yeah, lots of custom artwork. Uh, no custom types, but a lot of really, really unique ideas. Some custom moves for the various uh, monsters. One of the neat things is that uh, it actually thinks out things. Like it has a branch evolution for Karibo. Instead of the Moonstone, they have the Toonstone. So if a monster turns into a Toon monster... You can use that on them to turn them into their tune form. Okay. Which is really, really fun. An actual five-stage evolution line with perfectly ultimate Great Moth, which is just cool that you can actually carry your basic insect from the start of the game and watch it continue to evolve after the level 10 threshold. Oh, that's... Oh, I love that. Yeah, because it only reaches the cocoon stage at level 10. 
And then in like its 20s, it evolves into the moth. And then it evolves again in its 30s into the ultimate moth. The interesting thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! is just because of what it is with all the shadow games and whatnot, it ends up creating a lot of dark types. Just because naturally there's a bunch of shadow creatures around. Yeah. And just changing Kanto's most prominent type from normal to dark shifts so much of what you do in the game and so much of the level curve. This game is sort of opening my eyes to the idea of a Pokemon that just simply plays around with the different focus of types. Because a lot of Pokemon games in the modern age, it has a fairly regular spread of types. I, I think you could say that about all of them, except maybe like Hoenn and Water, but... Well, I would say that like Red and Blue specifically have a very steady progression. You really only get through the first bit of the game with Normal, Flying, Bug, and Poison as your main types. True. Anything that deviates from that is a rarity. It is the exception to the rule. Other Pokemon generations are a lot more diverse about this. Like, hell, just look at Wooper. is yeah. so available so early on. And this sort of homogenizes the product, I feel. But by having, essentially taking Kanto's normal and replacing it with dark, you give the level progression and what kinds of Pokemon are good, what kinds of Pokemon have a harder time but have a better eventual payoff. You make that a significantly more interesting process. Yeah, I can see why that would be. Like, this is just getting my gears in my brain worrying about, like, okay, what if a game, Pokemon game started where, like, in an ice area or something like that? That's such an interesting way to just, like, completely diversify the game. Yeah, whenever it does homages to Yu-Gi-Oh! monsters, it feels great. Like, a Time Wizard is basically Wobbuffet, but it knows self-destruct now. <laughs> And that both perfectly reflects the card and is just really funny. It does interesting things because, like, the uh, final stage of the starter that I chose, which was uh, the Red-Eyes Black Dragon line, is Red-Eyes Black Metal Dragon. Nice. And that's, obviously, you can have a ton of types with that. You can have Dragon, you can have Fire, you can have Flying, you can have Steel. Uh, what they decide to do is they make it Steel Fire, but they give it Levitate. Ooh, Okay. And that just makes for a really fun, really unique Pokemon that, like, plays off of what made Heatran good, but expands upon it and makes it fulfill a different role. And then it can learn Dragon Claw, so it, like, fulfills all the roles. I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, that, that's a that's an extremely smart way of doing that. I want to shout out the Pokemon League in specific, because it has the balls to essentially give them legendaries, and that makes it actually difficult. Nice. Like, what, what, oh my god. What are the legendaries in this? Uh, the Egyptian god cards and Exodia. Okay. How does Exodia work? Sorry, sorry. Um, so Exodia is great because it replaces the Helix and Dome fossil at the beginning. Okay. So you can choose Exodia or Exodia Necros. And then they start and you get them at level 5 and you have to go through the arduous process of grinding them to level 40. And then it evolves into Exodia. And it's essentially Mewtwo or Dark Mewtwo. Nice. Okay, that's cool. And Yugi has one at the end, and it is the hardest thing to fight. Like, holy shit. Um, I'm going to post my final team right here. All right, I'll put it on the episode as well so people can see it. Yep. That's that neat. 
Yep, that is Wing Karibo level 10, uh, Red Eyes Blackmail Dragon, Obelisks the Tormentor, Thousand Eyes Restrict, Gate Guardian, and Hungry Burger. <laughs> Don't laugh at Hungry Burger. He single-handedly killed Exodia. No, I, I believe it. I, I just love the contrast there. You have all these like badass Monster Hunter designs, and then it's just a burger with teeth. I, I, love, yep. I love Yu-Gi-Oh cards. He <laughs> evolves from Mystic Tomato in this game. It's great. <laughs> There's just a thrill to seeing like, okay, how are you going to connect these things and what are you going to do to completely change them? Took a connect the dots puzzle and turned it into a Bob Ross painting. This is wonderful. It is. It's just a fun little game that really made me think about how Pokemon all comes together. Hungry Burger for me, I just have to tell the story because Yugi is the final boss, as you would expect, and Yugi is freaking hard. He has the fully evolved form of... One of the starters in Dark Sage, which is a massively powerful psychic dark type that is a calm mind sweeper. Okay. He has Valkyrion the Magnet Warrior, which is a, it's either rock steel or steel electric, but you know, it, it's a big body. It's a big bulky physical body, but I, I killed that one easily. He has another one that I forget. He has Black Luster Soldier, which is a sword dance sweeper who is a normal type, so you basically don't have any way to effectively deal with it unless you hit it really hard at the very start of when it comes out, which I was playing on set rotation, so I didn't get the, will you change Pokemon prompt. Ah, yeah. And that made him real difficult. He has Slifer the Sky Dragon, which is essentially Zapdos, but a dragon. Nice. In this context. And he has Exodia, which is Mewtwo. Okay, uh, I yeah. had nothing that could really beat Exodia, because Exodia also knows Ancient Power, and he is very lucky at getting the 10% all stat-up boost. But Hungry Burger, Hungry Burger knew Will-O-Wisp, and all of Exodia's moves otherwise either did not affect him as a dark type, or did very little damage to him as a grass type. So he was the absolute perfect type combination to just have this little hamburger slowly whittle down Exodia Mewtwo. <laughs> I'm just picturing the mental image of just Exodia walking around with just a burger gnawing on its shoulder and it's slowly whittling him down. <laughs> yes, and it's burned, so it doesn't get any advantage, and this burger is like 10 levels lower than it. And then I reach the point where Yuki has almost wiped my whole team, and all I have left is Gate Guardian, who in this case is a water electric type. Okay. And he has Slifer the Sky Dragon left. The good thing about Gate Guardian is that it has the lightning rod ability, so it absorbs electricity. So nice. I got essentially a free turn off of that, and I'm there's nothing that I'm doing that's willing Slifer down, and Slifer could be like any combination of types, because it's a Sky Dragon associated with electricity. And then... I'm about to die, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. I hit try attack, and I get the try attack freeze. Nice. Which, oh, that's To break beautiful. down, it's a 10% chance of having one of three effects. It needed that effect, and I got it. But then I'm scared of it dethawing, and I am wondering, I go, wait a minute. Have I hit Slifer with a ground move before? And I'm able to discern its type, because I hadn't fought Slifer before. Based on what I'd hit it with previously, and I hit Earthquake, and the Sky Dragon gets hit by Earthquake, and I win. Wait a minute, no. Because <laughs> it's a Dragon Electric type. 
okay. And I had to suss that out like a logic puzzle, and it felt great. That the those two moments are going to be like some of my favorite standout Pokemon moments. And it's from a silly Yu-Gi-Oh ROM hack. Uh, I, I've missed that with Pokemon. We haven't really had that for a really long time. Yeah, I'd, I'd say since Gen Five is the last time, really. I want to play this now. I, I, I might like this. Might be like my next weekend. <laughs> it, it's fun. Do you have any experience with Yu-Gi-Oh? Not a clue. So fantastic. Th- You're going to be looking at stuff and be like, "What the hell is that?" I like it. I I know dragons. I I I know most of the card names, but I have no idea what anything does. Oh, you're going to have a great time. Because oh, some of it is just really, really cool to see. And they even edit in, like, sprites from the sacred cards. They don't look great, but, like, you get unique trainer sprites for, like, Kaiba and stuff. Nice. But yeah, just a lot of work, a lot of love went into this. So, yeah, that's good. Excellent. Um, also realizing I have a small addendum to make because I have one more game than you, but I barely noticed. And that is... I started playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. You did? I did. That, correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't played one or two at all, right? I have not. I am okay. relatively familiar with the story of one. I am not familiar with the story of two outside of what you've told me. Okay. So this is essentially my first Xenoblade game. And I played about the first, I would say, two hours of it. So to give my thoughts going through it on the first two hours or so... Wow, this really wants to be an anime, doesn't it? <laughs> wow, this is really anime. This is anime. Why is this game so ugly? Wow, this sure is MMO combat. Wow, I hate auto battle. Huh, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this. Oh, there are rare drops. I, li- I like getting those. I'll get some of those. Oh, this one's purple. I like, I like, I like that drop color. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> I have cleared the area of rabbits. I am now doing fetch side quests. This is my life now. I guess the game is okay. I guess it's a comfortable loop. Yo, is that a bunny with a unique name? Yo, why is this bunny named Schizophant Lilith? Why am I dead? <laughs> I'm going to fight it again. Oh, let me pop off all the bunnies around it so it doesn't mess up with the aggro. Yo, this is sick. Yo, I actually think I like this game a lot. Aw, shit. Is this why people love Xenoblade? Aw, damn. I actually like the story. This is a really clever setup. God, you want to be an anime. Those are my thoughts on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 from the two hours I played. That was a beautiful stream of consciousness. Yeah, the combat is weird in that way, where it's not especially engaging, but you can, like, mess with it in so many different ways. Yeah, I I felt like, because I know I haven't gotten to the ability to even change characters at this point, or the job system that I know is in here. Right, the whole fusion thing as well. Yeah, but just, like, the fun of basic positioning and comboing moves together and just being like, okay, I'ma hit him from the side, you do the other things, guys, yeah, 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 yeah. Aw, shit, it's up. I'm gonna run to my AI control companion's little ringy thingy so that I get the buff. Like, it's neat. It's fun. I really like the way that the story seems to be taking itself because it's... It's just so interested in its world building right now, and the Xenoblade 3 world building is legitimately fascinating. It's legitimately a really good setup. 
it spent like 20 minutes doing an anime flashback scene that I'm like, wow, no, this is just episode two of the Xenoblade 3 anime. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty standard for, like, Xenoblade 1 straight up opens up with like a entire combat sequence in the past. Yeah, but like, it's not a sequence, it's just a cutscene. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, it starts with a regular combat sequence because it starts with war. And then it goes into a 20-minute anime flashback that is just anime. But, like, I'm enjoying it. I'll actually play it. I'm too early to give any, like, solid impressions other than what I just stream of consciousness out. But of that, I liked it. Uh, I I have two questions based on what you played. Okay. Um, Because I want to know from your perspective, how was the voice acting? Uh, I liked it. Like, it's not... (laughs) How do I put this? It's very... It feels like an anime dub from a smaller dubbing house. It feels like it's very in-house. It feels like it's very set on what kind of talent and tone it's going for. But on the other hand, it gives the cast sort of this nice, comfortable rapport with each other that feels, I would say, less polished than other dubbing houses I've heard, but feels genuine okay you know it's a different kind of thing it's a bit different from live alive's more like purely theatrical or purely tv style of acting it's like no this is clearly video game acting but this is this is smaller this is cozier i would say all right and then just out of curiosity what was ugly about the game i just thought the environments were ugly i just thought wow someone really went to nintendo hire this man and he tried to make it work on the switch but he didn't Ah, okay. I'm just like, oh, oh, can you show me anything but rock textures, please? (laughs) You are not good at rock textures, and you think you are. And, like, I didn't like the lighting in it. It, like, covers half of a character's face, but it doesn't have a solid fade. It it feels very cel-shaded, but it feels like it's being generated from a certain point automatically. So it, it just felt off to me in like a way that say like a ps3 dragon ball game would in so far as it's shading okay yeah i see what you're saying and i'm sure i'm positive that the art direction will make up for it oh it always does in the xenoblade games like yeah i'm I'm confident but i'm not at a point where it's making up for it and i'm just like, oh, oh damn damn nintendo fans you're really hungry for good graphics aren't you <laughs> Oh, the amount of series that I wish weren't on Nintendo consoles. Yeah. For that. Oh, well. But, like, you're enjoying it. That's cool. I'm really enjoying it. I'll be I'll be fascinated, like, if it, like, hooks you enough to, like, start wanting to play the other ones. Because that'll be... I'm equally if, if fascinated. You, if you do, please go backwards, just because it'd be hilarious to have that <laughs> perspective. I think I might. Because I know a couple of spoilers... And I think based on one of those spoilers, I'd want to play two first. I have seen a single screenshot of just, like, the fate of the Xenoblade 2 cast in 3. Oh, I didn't know it's, that. It's like, it's like a, it's, it was just like a photograph that they show. Does it sometimes make you laugh? It, it was it was hilarious. It was just a moment of like, okay, yeah, that's the perfect way for that cast to... Are you okay if I spoil it here? Uh, edit it out of the episode, but... I mean, I will edit it out of the episode, but yes. Um, it has, like, the entire cast, like, just... Sexy Dynamite. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I was going to guess something else, but that that's pretty in line. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I respect the consistency with the themes. <sighs> yeah, I definitely want to play it as well. It's just, it's a huge time sink. I get it. I understand. I had to, like, motivate myself to be like, I want to talk about this. But I did, and I got a little bit in, and I'm like, shit, I'm going to really enjoy this. Nice. At first I thought it was like, oh, this is like Tales of, but worse. But now I think of, oh, this is like Tales of, but different. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot of systems in those games that can't, that they're just cozy. Yeah. Alrighty, and that is Xenoblade Chronicles 3 for me. I believe you got one more? Uh, one more. This was not a game that I played, but I was so curious after the, um... When I played Splatoon 1, like, you remember Splatoon 1, the final boss of that game? DJ Octavio? How phenomenal that was. And then you get to 2, and it's the exact same thing. Huge letdown. Oh, really? Never played 2. Oh, it's the exact same boss fight. You're in an arena now. But it's it's, DJ Octavio, same exact everything. So I was just curious. I was like, okay, I also kind of want to watch, like, a boss run of this game, Splatoon 3. Just see what, see if they were able to recapture that magic. And holy shit. Do you know anything about the boss fights in Splatoon 3? Not at all. Okay, so first off, um, I'm I'm going to throw Alpha Rad's reaction to this boss fight to you first. This is the penultimate. You can't make him fight. He's he's just a wholesome little dude. Just Just a cool little manta ray. Isn't that so great? He's adorable. Uh huh. Oh, he's saucing up. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, fuck! It's literally... Oh, shit! The Mario Sunshine boss fight. Oh, my God! Oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> oh! oh, I yeah. really like that. Yeah, so... In of itself... That already, like, regained a lot of respect that I've been missing for Splatoon 3 at that point. Yeah. Because that's just the best thing ever. It's just the Sunshine boss. Shit. Oh, damn. So you move on from that to the final boss. So, bit, bit of setup here. The, um, the Captain Cuttlefish guy, the, the old dude that's, like, running the single-player games, he had been, um, not exactly kidnapped, but he'd fallen into a giant pit with the final boss of the first game. And it's kind of just been missing ever since. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was kidnapped by a guy named Mr. Grizz, who runs uh, Salmon Run in Splatoon 2. Okay. Never se- you've never seen this guy before, uh, but this is going to be his intro. You start by finding the dehydrated remains of Cuttlefish, which is very literally, like, he's, he was humanoid before. He's literally just a squid and just, like, a, like, sandy, dehydrated. He's basically dead. Oh. Oh. Uh, you see Mr. Grizz, who is a gigantic, like, like six-story tall, giant teddy bear, but, like, intimidating teddy bear-looking guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who's telling you that, like, it, like there's a lot of, like, employee-based puns, because, like, he was, like, running Salmon Run, so you're his employee. Yeah. And he's like, just like, thank you for your services, but you're, you now take your time off as now my plan isn't set in full motion. And he hops onto this gigantic rocket ship. And, like, it's a, not, like, inside of it. He's gripping onto the side of it as it blasts off into the atmosphere. As he begins, um, 
calls it Hermageddon, but says that HR doesn't like that name. As the whole conflict of Splatoon 3 is that there's now mammals coming back. There's this fuzzy ooze that turns people into mammals. Oh. And he's apparently trying to create a rocket to explode in the atmosphere and rain that fuzzy ooze down on everything. So, pretty high stakes. Oh. Um, uh, Oh, I didn't expect Splatoon 3 to go to chemical warfare, but here we are. (laughs) No, very literally, very literally. Uh, You you go back to the remains of of Captain Cuttlefish. Uh, The Squid Sisters come in, and the protagonist of the first game comes in as well. And you're all kind of just gathered around him, like, mourning his death. A single tear drops from the protagonist of the first game's eye, which water rehydrates him. Look, (laughs) it be the tear of the Goofy Goober! And he just gets back up as now just a floating, emaciated little squid dude. And it's hilarious. But oh no, there's a, there's a bear flying a rocket into space to completely destroy the Earth. What will we do? Apparently, the answer is to ride a rocket-propelled shark up a column of ink eels to launch yourself after the rockets. This actually works. Aha! Uh-huh. So you start battling on this infested rocket as the giant grizzly bear is trying to smash you. And it's like a really good boss fight. Like there's, he's constantly like shifting the rocket from side to side. So you'll fall off of it from gravity, even though you're in space and there shouldn't be gravity, but whatever. Like he has some insane attacks and it's, it's like just really intense. The music's great. Uh, but eventually you beat it past the first phase and he like slams the rocket, explodes it, but not really. And you're knocked off of the rocket. Like you start flying backward out into the atmosphere. There's that little star of like, you can't see each other yourself anymore like when something like team rocket blasting off again yes yes but then then something comes rushing back turns out that there is a giant mech piloted by dj octavio the final boss of the first game with a giant vacuum cleaner who has caught you and is now here to help you fight off the giant grizzly bear oh thank god that we can all unite because of our racism against the furries So that, and then the Squid Sisters use his sound system to like sing out out into the into the space to amplify to like amp you up. It's, it's Splatoon. Yes, yes. And this this causes the uh, tiny little fish gremlin. You've seen the little fish gremlin, the little buddy that's with you in Splatoon Three. Yeah, yeah. The power of this music causes the aquatic waves in the upper atmosphere to be infused in your little fish gremlin, who evolves Gyarados style into a giant kaiju barracuda. What ensues after this is a three-minute countdown until Doomsday, giant kaiju battle between uh, the Gyarados and the giant bear, as you help pilot the mech live-and-learn style, literally, like, pinpoint the same boss fight as the finale of Sonic Adventure 2, as you just zoom around the bear trying to vacuum up his evil fuzz with your giant mech. And after you vacuum all up, you fire it all back in one mega death laser, which utterly defeats him. Gyarados turns back into Magikarp, and you all fly home. Shit. It is the most beautiful, absurd thing. I'm never going to play Splatoon 3, but I'm so glad they recaptured that hype for the boss fights. I might play Splatoon 3. (laughs) Damn. Like, I'm staggered. I've taken damage here. (laughs) Like, I I don't know how to continue off of that. Like, I didn't didn't go any further. I just watched the boss fight, but I was like, I was enthralled. Yeah. Like, Like, they took it so much further they were than I thought they were going to. And, like, I hit that limit, and they surpassed it, like, four separate times throughout the entire fight. I can't believe they combined Kirby Planet Robobot, It Takes Two, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Sonic Adventure 2, and, like, Sly Cooper. Unironically, yes. It was fantastic. Damn. But yeah, Splatoon 3 is a great game. Not gonna play it, but I respect it a hell of a lot more now. (laughs) No, I might play it. It's like, this sounds good. This sounds really good. (laughs)
All right. So I played one more game this month, and that Already. game is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. All right. I have many, many stories about this game. The first one being that this was the first game I ever played on an HDTV, or just like when I didn't have analog input, I had to do an HDMI input. Okay. And I was not aware of the lag of an HDMI input. So I beat Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for the first time on the Wii U in 2014 with like a solid 10 frames of input lag. Oh. I was like, God, this game has really weird timing. I have to kind of preempt everything I'm doing. Don't know why it didn't occur to me until I already beat it. But you know what? I did that on its re-release. I went to play it. I went to play new funky mode. And I don't like funky. Like, oh, no. I love the character of Funky Kong, but it's not that he's too easy. It's that I don't like what he changes because his general abilities are that he has five hit points, which mm -hmm. in Funky Mo is actually a downgrade because if you just do DK and a regular Kong, they have six hit points. He can breathe underwater infinitely, which is fine and just should be in the game, honestly. Mm -hmm. He can hover in the air with his uh, surfboard. Yeah, Dixie Kong and, style, right? See, that's the thing. He okay. can hover in the air, but it kills your momentum as soon as the hover starts. Oh, oh no. Like, you continue your momentum, as soon as it starts, you just stop, and then slowly glide. And this kills Funky for me, because the way that you do that is you hold the jump button, and I am always holding the jump button in Donkey Kong Country if I am jumping. So he is a matter of completely not only relearning muscle memory, but going against my instincts on how to do it. And also the hover is counterintuitive to what I love about Donkey Kong Country. And that's a shame because I love Funky Kong. I have always loved Funky Kong, even as a kid. I would just sit in Funky Flights 2 in DKC2 just to listen to his music for like an hour. <laughs> but that should be a problem. You aren't ever required to be Funky Kong. You can always be DK. You can always be DK Day and Dixie, so you still have the pure tropical freeze experience. I... I'm not sure if Tropical Freeze is my least favorite Donkey Kong Country, but it might be. Oh my, okay. And it, it's so hard for me to say that, because I'm a Donkey Kong guy. Everyone loves Tropical Freeze. It's touted as one of the best platformers ever. Like, it feels not only off-brand, but like clickbait for me to say that. Like, uh, this Donkey Kong fan hates Tropical Freeze. <laughs> Look at his tiny penis. <laughs> I, I don't know why I went there, but... Why did you go? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm compensating well for a lot right now because I feel... <laughs> Well, just for, like, a frame of reference, like, what would, like, be a number score? Just, like, it's the worst Donkey Kong Country for it, maybe. Oh, but, like, at least an 8. At least a, an 8 yeah, out of 10. Yeah. Like, I'm still saying it's a great game. But of all the things it does uniquely, none of it really appeals to me in the same way that Donkey Kong Country does. DKC1, that's an unpolished game, very clearly. Yes. But the levels are very short. It's very kinetic. You get through it really, really quickly. It has this arcade sense of progression to it that's really fun. 
DKC2 expands upon that and makes it perfect. The length of the level is just fantastic to me. The way that it conveys bonuses both through natural signposting in the levels and through Cranky's hints, that works very well for me, and there's not too many that I get overwhelmed. I could talk about DKC2 for a long time. It's a really good game. I bet. Donkey Kong Country 3, I've talked about twice. You should get it by now. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country Returns. Clumsy game, but it's basically the DKC1 of its concept. The levels are generally short. There's a lot of them. And it has some unique things. Is it all that great of a game at times? No. But it's still, I mean, it's still a Donkey Kong Country game. It's still good. Tropical Freeze, then, is should be the DKC2 to Returns as DKC1. But what Tropical Freeze focuses on is very, very cinematic levels. Levels in Tropical Freeze all tell these great stories. Like, the big example that people go always go to is the uh, Fifth World, which is a juicy jungle, where a factory is constantly harvesting fruits, and then you fight through the... Uh, assembly line that is juicing the fruits and then you get to see the fruits being frozen into big uh, popsicles and into giant jelly cubes and then you get to the boss who is eating the popsicle because this whole factory this whole level design is just so a polar bear can get popsicles <laughs> it's fabulous and each level slowly tells the story of this essentially this juicing and this deforestation process and they're really, really good, really well thought out, really cleverly done. Like, you'll have popsicles that, you know, you start to see them being made and you start using those platforms. And at the end, they're on an assembly line and you jump on them and they slowly slip off of giant popsicle holders, the little sticks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I remember and, that. And that's just such a great uh, deviation of the donut block in general. The issue is... This makes the levels very, very long. Like, I feel tired after playing a level of Tropical Freeze. It is a gauntlet in not necessarily a difficult way, but just in the amount of ways that my attention is being divided. And the fact that it has so many offshoots and so many side paths for its various collectibles and the puzzle pieces specifically, both makes me feel like... Ugh, I'm trawling through every bit of these levels just to get a reward that I don't even care about. It's not only dividing my attention between the actual flow of the level and wait a second, is there a thing here? In a way that Donkey Kong Countries 2 and 3 really don't, for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're just either little offshoots or you just go back to find the one secret you missed. But just... Ugh. If I don't like a level in the Donkey Kong Country series for the SNES, it's over with pretty quickly. If I don't like a level in Tropical Freeze, it's a really exhausting process and I'm combing most of it. And I kind of just have to get through it. And I know that there's people who are just like, well, just don't get the secrets. But I like the Kong letters. I like opening those temples. And if I'm finding an offshoot area, I still want to go and get it. Like... If something is well implemented, it is my instinct from four other games in this franchise to go and check it out. But so often it slows me down. It does the funky glide where it just halts your momentum and you have to go and move through it. I'm also just not a fan of the way that it carries momentum 
because it carries it entirely through the roll. DK has a basic run speed as opposed to having to hold the run button now. Essentially continues you, but you're uncontrollable because now walls have physics. In DKCs 1 through 3, if you just bumped up against a wall, nothing would happen. You would just continue your momentum, stop at the wall, and drop. Mm -hmm. But now you hit against a wall and you bump yourself back. And I found myself clanking against geometry so often in this game that it was just a constant annoyance. I don't like the way that you jump off of clingable surfaces, like when you're climbing up the grass on a wall. I don't like the way that that feels. I don't like how little momentum you have. Even your regular jump just doesn't, has more of a good game feel to it than that little piddly jump. And because I love Donkey Kong Country, because I feel this so much, all of these complaints are what is at the forefront of my mind when I'm going through levels. The, the issue with Tropical Freeze is that I'm ruining it for myself, but there is no way I could have ever not ruined it for myself. It's kind of the curse of, like, really, really, really loving something. I'm, I'm yeah. experiencing that right now with um, the Lord of the Rings show that's coming out right now. Uh -huh. The worst thing about that show is that it's tied to the Lord of the Rings brand. Mm, it's yep. like, okay, you might be fine right now, but you're tied to my favorite thing, so I'm going to be so much harsher. Yep, I could see that entirely. I don't even think that these are all necessarily bad. They're different. I think they're antithetical to the vibe of Donkey Kong Country. But when the game gets going, it has some incredible levels. Like, it has some of the best minecart sequences in the entire series by a country mile. Mm -hmm. um, the entirety of the sixth world, Donkey Kong Island, is almost purely great. Uh, the cliffside revisiting level might be one of my favorite levels in any platformer. But just <sighs> the, the weight of every level, the length of every level, the way that it divides my attention, I... I love every level individually, I feel. Well, not every level, but most levels individually. The, the fourth world is kind of cheeks for about half of it, because it's, it's the water world, and I, I don't like the swimming controls. That's fair. It's a package that is less than the sum of its parts for me. And it's such a pain because the individual parts, those are incredible. Those are like some of my favorite things in the world that you're doing with. And you're adding them together, and it's... Every time you add and there's a little bit more, it detracts because, like, I'm not looking for it to impress me. It's at Nirvana, and everything it does that is a flaw is a step down from it. Like, it can't up. Fascinating. Uh, I actually have played Tropical Free, so I'm actually kind of following with most of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's it's so interesting hearing this from the perspective of, like, someone who was a fan of this, because this was actually my first, like, Donkey Kong Country game. I'm sure it was a lot of people's first Donkey Kong Country games. Like, I, I can see where... Because, like, I, I don't think I ever actually beat that game. Just because, uh, like, I, I, I was feeling that exhaustion of just getting Get, through levels. Right? Yeah. And, I, like, this is me talking, and I'm not... I'm just not that good at 2D platformers. We've established this at this point, but... Like, you, you just... There's so many secrets. Like, isn't there, like, nine puzzle pieces along with In the four Kong letters? In between five and nine. Yeah. And that, that, that's just, I think that's just too much. Yeah. And I know it just unlocks concept art. I know that. But, like, but it's there. No, for, for, for a series like this, that's, like, so built around, like, a, you, got, you guys gotta get everything. Like, that's been a thing for the series for so long. Mm-hmm. And plus, you, just, you want your collectibles to be satisfying to get. Yeah. 
it, there should be a flow there. I, I, I compare it to the, um, something that does it well, uh, Rayman Legends with the Teensy Cages. Mm, yeah. Like, based on the, um, there's, there's ten of those in every single level, but the game is so fast, and they're usually pretty easy to find just because they're always calling for help. So you're quickly going from one to the next to the next to the next. It feels good to find all of them. Yeah, but Tropical Freeze, it's a slog, because you don't know where any of them are, so you have to check every single thing. I have to grab all these bananas in this pattern, because maybe that'll give me one of them. I have to go down this area. I have to go back in this level. It's just... Yeah, that's the thing. Those, when you pound the ground, and there's those banana challenges, and you just jump around to get all the bananas, I never like those. Yeah, and you have to do it every single time, if you want to have all the... And sometimes it's not even a collectible. Sometimes it's just a coin, or a balloon, or something else. I like, I feel like I'm being awfully mean to Tropical Freeze, and that's because I am. But I'm still saying it, and like, I'm going, yeah, but it's still a top 100 game of all time for me. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing about like trying to criticize like things you really love, because like there's this kind of just like this mental cultural osmosis. I mean, like, yeah, I know that all this other stuff is great. Like, it's, you see the brand, like it's got all that stuff from the brand, but it's doing this stuff, and I don't like this stuff. And also, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair exists, and it does everything this game does except budget. But I like it more. I like it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, this is... Huh. I, I was not expecting this to be where this conversation was going when I saw this on the docket, but this is... Yeah, no, this is why I put it in the long section, because I don't <laughs> know how much I could ramble about it. Because, like, you want me to talk about, like, individual levels? Grassland Groove? Oh my god, incredible. Scorching Torch? I love that. The... Basically, all of the third world, except for the Bramble level, is incredible. It sounds like the core of this is a pacing issue. Yes, both in level and in just world layouts, basically. The flow of Donkey Kong Country is immaculate to me. It matters so much to me. Just kind of a brainstorming, throwing out the question. How would you feel if they'd split the levels in half and like space them out in that way? Like, literally just twice as many levels, but you're going through them more in bite-sized chunks. I don't think they could with how they're developing the level design, because each True. one has a purpose. It's it's Retro Studios level design. Yeah, like, imagine that level where Rambi goes into the tornado. It wouldn't have half the impact if one level was just the build and the other was the tornado. I, I guess my question, just to kind of continue this conversation, would be... How how would you fix this while still keeping what Tropical Freeze is doing well? Because, like, there is still a lot of cool things with that. Like, again, he's going into a tornado. That's just cool. Yeah. It's cool to go into a tornado. Let's see. Less puzzle pieces. Yes. And I think what I would do is I would have the Kong letters be a... Just like a general power-up sort of thing. Just, you know, leave them as is. They're good. And then I would have the bonus offshoots... I would limit their appearances, and I would make them specific challenges using level assets involving one of the side Kongs solo. They would be solo side Kong challenges. Ooh, okay. Yeah, kind of like the, the challenges with the Animal Buddies and the DKC2 yeah, games. Yeah, or just like DKC2 bonus stages, but yeah. with focus on those, and if you get all of them, you get a unique level for your side character. Or you Whoa, get essentially good. a hero mode variant with them. And just not making it the speedrun mode, because no one cares about the speedrun mode. I don't think even speedrunners care about the speedrun mode. They can just do it better. Yeah, they don't... No one cares about IL times. That's such an afterthought, and it's a shame. 
but just just a way to like make the Kong family sort of celebratory and make them stand out more and create essentially give you more for exploring rather than giving you art. Yeah, I have no disrespect to art. I love getting concept art in games, but that's something it doesn't always feel like the best reward. It's more something I just want to kind of skim at my leisure. Yes. And then if you beat all of them, you unlock a blooper reel. What? Just like Pixar end of credits bloopers. Just with the Kongs? Yes. I would love that. That I, I yeah, Like a huge knock against Tropical Freeze for me is that it doesn't have that same charm of the other country games. And just like the dialogue or the characterization. Yeah. Like you get funky saying, it's okay, dude. Sometimes I get lonely too. And that's it. I want the dude that's making Mario plus Rabbits to make a Donkey Kong Country game. I want the dude who makes Mario plus Rabbits to make a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it could be like a if the, if we keep with the Rayman thing. He's adding in like a Rayman plus Donkey Kong, like just kind of mesh Rayman legends in the country games together. I would cry. I would love that so much. I would cry. Who, who's the pirate villain? Razorbeard or whatever? Razorbeard, Have yeah. him and Captain King. Oh, Wolf. yes. Oh, that. Yes, please. I would cry. But yeah, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Great game. Great game that you can, you can just say a lot about it. Great game. I hate it. <laughs> so so you, you said an 8 out of 10. Is that a personal score or what you've dialed it down to after your preferences have set in? See, I, I'll never settle because it'll be what elements of the game am I focusing on more? Am I focusing on worlds 2, 3, and 6? Or am I focusing on worlds one and four? Am I remembering those great times, the way it fixed rocket barrel stages, the incredible minecart levels, really good Rambi levels, except that last one? Or am I focusing on the moment to moment that weighs it down for me? It's it's less a solid score and more a weird miasma that doesn't have a good way for me to average it out. <laughs> you, you like made like a like a pie chart, but it's kind of smeared. Yes. You poured water on it or something. All the colors are blending together. Yeah, it, it is showering me in coconut cream pies, and some <laughs> of them are spoiled. Uh, and the thing with that is, like, sure, a lot of there's a lot of delicacies there, but you get one whiff of spoiled food, and that ruins all of it. Uh, yeah, because now I'm only comparing the taste to the spoiled taste. And it lingers. Yeah. yeah I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like, even not having played Donkey Kong Country before, and I had a lot of the same problems, and having played those games with you, I definitely mm -hmm. prefer them. Yeah, and I feel crazy, because like people are like, no, Tropical Freeze is the best one. I'm like, no, no. Oh shit, am I blinded by nostalgia? I, I mean, maybe. Oh shit, I am I the Gen 1 I, I think your criticisms are valid. Like, it's going in a direction that isn't what you enjoyed, which when you're like, continuing a series is not something you do without very good reason. Like, Breath of the Wild, amazing game. Dungeons suck. And if you're messing with the dungeons in a Zelda game, like, that's... I could go, we could go off on so many tangents about that. Yeah. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to improve for the next game. Yes. Donkey Kong Country's still healing after after the rare acquisition. It's, it's, it's slowly reconstructing itself, but... He'll get there. Yeah. He will. <laughs> Get a trailer for it on January 1st, showing K. Rule in it, and it'll be the funniest thing ever. 
fuck, Donkey Kong 64 was revealed on January 1st. That's <laughs> yes. actually very possible. I would love that. That would just be, like, stars aligning. This is what fate has decreed. I would ball. Especially with what December's going to be to me. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. What oh. a... Okay, yeah, I, I can't comment on that without spoiling things, but yeah, that what a capstone. <laughs> <sighs> but speaking of the future, how about that future site? Future site! Okay, I, I have to I have to start the future site here. Because, yes, go like, for it. There's only one thing that I care about for news here, for upcoming games as well. Only one, one thing I really only care about in general, because I, I quick, quick little bit of story time. I have never enjoyed watching Ubisoft, like, conference things. They're, they're just bad at them. They're poorly paced. They don't show out the right things. And they never You're have right. Rayman in them. But there's always that carrot on a, on a stick of like, maybe this is the time that Rayman will show up. I keep watching them over and over again. This was the one that I finally gave up. I, I was like, you know what? It's, it's just, it never happens. I have to work. I'm not even going to care. I'm just going to look up new stories of what happened afterwards. It's fine. And I, I, I look at my phone, go to Reddit, and I see a pair of ears. It's just, just a, a, a beautiful pair of ears next to two rabbit ears. And just, I, I, I feel like time just stopped. I, I may have had just like a slight seizure in that moment. As the disbelief that, oh my god, we thought it would be Yoshi for the rabbit's Mars Sparks of Hope DLC. Yep. But it's actually Rayman. The, 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 the guy that did the amazing Donkey Kong story thing is going to do the same thing for Rayman. It's the character he's wanted to walk, work with all his life, so it's going to be amazing. And just, oh, I'm so happy. I should play more Raymans. They're really good. Well, well they're very interesting. Th that's what I've heard. <laughs> like, even, even, even as a super fan, like, they're... The rabbits came from him from a reason. They're a very chaotic mixed bag, but you get you get weird things there. You won't find anything else, and those weird things have a lot of value. No, I, I was watching uh, Alter Mentality play some Rayman 2 on her stream, and I was like, oh, this looks like a really nice game. Oh, this camera, though. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I, I can't even play Rayman 2 anymore. It gives me motion sickness. Rayman 3, though. Oh, I love that game. But yeah, Rayman's back. He's gonna be he's gonna be hanging out with the rabbits again. He's not dead. Grant Kirkhope might compose Rayman music. This is gonna be pretty good. Oh, uh, dude! Imagine how many Rayman remixes you're gonna get. I know. <laughs> it's so good. I can't wait. It's so funny to me. I like I've been like bashing on sparks of hope so much in the past couple of episodes being like yeah it was fun but like it's just works X xcom i'm sorry baby's first xcom i can't get into it sparks of hope is now uh, the only game i care about for the foreseeable future and it's not even close yeah no this is that's going to be the game that i'm going to buy this month too because <laughs> like shit that looks good in every I, way. I, I might have picked up Bayonetta 3. I might have tried to get around to Xenoblade 3. I probably will still get around to that. But, like, no, Sparks of Hope. That's it. That's it. That, that's the end of the sentence. That's all. Well, I mean, you got, like, three weeks before it, so. True, true. You got time. Yeah. But, yeah, Rayman's back. My, I, I have a little bit more faith in humanity. Yeah. All right, I got a bunch of less important news stories here as well. Pokemon continues to make very good trainer designs for horny fans. 
That's the sentence. I love that you went with that title. Look at her giant shoes. God damn. (laughs) You know, you know what you like. They're really good at making humans that people will make art of. Like, Pokemon has a pristine track record with that. Also, Wiglet exists. I love him. Wiglet is amazing. It's it's just the Wiggler from Monster Hunter. The thing that, that you can put, like, on, on peel. I need to show you this hat real quick. Hold on. Please uh, do. Wiggler hat monster hunter. This is, this is actual armor. Piercing cutscenes. It has physics. Good. Good. I want more wacky, wavy, inflatable, arm-flailing tube mon. And, like, because the armor changes in the cutscenes. Like, you'll just be running away from the monster, and the, and the head will be wildly flailing around, like one of those things you see in front of car shops. The inflatable exactly. thing about yep. Wonderful. Wiggler is adorable. I love him. I'm, I'm wondering it, what the Diglett version, no, the, 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 the Doug Trio version looks like. Or if there's well, even going to Diglett. be one. it's not Diglett. It's a completely unrelated species. But it's... It's a... But... It's a completely unrelated species. But it, 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 look at it! It's a completely unrelated species. Sure. Okay. Sure. Disney Illusion Island announced. It's Rayman Origins, but Mickey. I mean, you, if you wanted to sell me on a pitch of a game, that's a pretty good way of doing it. Yeah. I thought Origins was alright. I thought those platforming levels in Battletoads 2020 that was just Origins were also alright. Yeah, Legends kind of was better in every way but like it was it was still a good game i played i played legends it was fine i liked parts of it assassin's creed barrage to take place in arabia which destroys all hope of a prince of persia sequel yeah not for like at least 10 years unless they go really weird with the prince of persia sequel like he's yeah for he's in he's in australia now for some reason remember when that was a big enough franchise to get a movie yeah just kind of Kind of fell off the face of the earth. I do like that it's in Arabia, though. You just I don't like see the that setting, setting. But, like, you have a storied franchise right there that did the same thing. And it's been a couple years and or decades. Yes, but Prince of Persia didn't have watchtowers. And Ubisoft only knows how to make games with watchtowers now. Well, what if we make Prince of Persia watchtowers? Then it wouldn't be Prince of Persia anymore, it'd just be Assassin's Creed. This probably was, like, the design document for an Assassin's Creed game, but they kept trying to push it in that direction to a point that they're just like, you know what, just make it Assassin's Creed. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But you know what also direction that they pushed it toward? They pushed it toward getting an adults-only rating by the ESRB. Because, oops, we pushed the envelope a little too far, and we accidentally included actual gambling. Oh. (laughs) Really? Like real money, real gambling? Evidently so. All we have is that the ESRB rated AO for real gambling, and Ubisoft is like, I don't know how that happened. Oh, gosh, we would never do that. I don't know. Ubisoft do that? Perish the thought. No. That's hilarious, though. I mean, come on. They misinterpreted what we were going for here, clearly. I wonder if it was crypto. Oh, you, you probably was. I wonder if that's what got them that rating. Oh, just, just get an NFT of your assassin outfit. Yes. And, and, and NFTs of specific kills. You, you, only you have killed this NPC before. For this dice game, do you want to gamble your in-game c- 
cryptocurrency, or do you want to gamble your Desmond coin? Uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't, they wouldn't even let you like keep the money for like other purposes. It'd be solely through an in-game currency. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we also got Assassin's Creed in Japan. They pulled the code red button because they're desperate. Yep. Don't have much to say about... I, I enjoyed 4. 4 was fun. Way to do what everyone wanted after it was already done by better studios. Yeah, it's not going to be as good as Ghost of Tsushima. I'm sorry. But like... Or Neo. Or Neo, yeah. Or Sekiro. Or Sekiro. <laughs> yeah. I... Or that other game that Sony announced in their big event that was also this. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it was Sega. Like a... No, no. Not, no, no, it wasn't like a dragon. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that, that other one. It looked really good. Yeah. God. Do you remember early 2010s interviews where they were like, why don't you go to Japan? And the response was, we don't think people are interested in Japan as a setting. <laughs> we don't think we could make it interesting it's with Assassin's Creed gameplay. That's in everything in medieval s settings. It's one of the only settings that people care about these days. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Uh, we, there aren't towers in Japan. I don't know. Oh, for goodness sake. There are towers in Japan. There are towers in Japan. Absolutely. <sighs> Splatoon 3 has the biggest first week ever in Japan ever, with a one-week toll of 3.5 million copies sold. And as we've established, it's very well-deserved. <laughs> but to let you know how crazy this is, this isn't best-selling game on the Switch, which would already be crazy because it outsold Animal Crossing New Horizons on its initial release period by about mm. a million. Wow. Think of Pandemic Animal Crossing, and this did 150% better in Japan. Is there any game that's been better? Now consider that, and consider that every single other video game that has ever released in the history of Japan is around a million less than Animal Crossing. Holy, how is- I- I don't get that. Like, I'm impressed, I'm shocked, good for Splatoon, but, like, where is that? It appeals to every demographic. It appeals yeah, to kids, it appeals to so. teenagers and counterculture, it appeals to adults looking for that nostalgic vibe, looking for comfort. It is their call of duty? Wow. It hits everything. I, I understand why there's they made so many of them in such quick succession, though. Every Mario, every Final Fantasy, every Dragon Quest... Less than it, this. Even Pokemon? Even, even Pokemon. And that's wow. combining versions. Wow, what happens when you strike gold like that? Not even gold, that's Mithril. Yeah. Wow. Utterly well insane. I, I hope they use that success to like take the series in interesting directions now. Because like they've got the brand recognition. They've got that on lock. Yeah. And Nintendo that... is, clearly recognizes that this is one of its big franchises. <laughs> like, I, I think in their recent marketing for brands of the company, it is Mario, Zelda, Animal Crossing, and Splatoon. Yeah, no, that that's... I, I throw the same ones out there. Like, Pokemon's obviously there, but that's... But Pokemon is split, so... Yeah. And same thing with Kirby. And I guess their next biggest is Donkey Kong. I'm so happy that Kirby's, like, fifth place now. That's, it's, I know! That guy's grown so much. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Well, would Fire Emblem be up there? No. It always does okay. No, it's, it sells, it sells a true. couple million, 
and it appeals to its fan base, and the mobile game makes them a lot of money. So it makes them a lot of sense to keep it going. I would love a Splatoon XCOM game. Oh, that'd be fun. That Ooh. would be really sick. Ooh. With just like how the super jumps work, and like all the different weapons and crit- that that's that's kind of like tailor made. Now I'm just imagining a little puddle and all the inklings are looking around it and then two googly eyes come out of it and it goes, da! <laughs> I mean, unironically, that might be what's next. Oh my god. Can you imagine Rabid Callie and Rabid Mary? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> what would the music sound like? Just like death metal or something like that? Oh, no, it would just be Splatoon songs, but instead of the inkling language it would be the rabbits thing just yelling like remember when Ra- raving rabbits did song covers oh yeah. of like girls just want to have fun <laughs> it's that but calamari incantation i can't hear i can't get no satisfaction anymore without hearing the rabbit version of that song <laughs> uh, what's playing on the country station right now imagine that as a rabbit version I'm, it's a car advertisement. I, I'm, I'm down for the car rabbit version of that. Yeah, that's good. Let's go. I'll take it. No, they're, they're actually not even singers. They're just like salesmen or something like that. I, I actually love that. Dodge Grand Jeep. They've gone corporate. They've sold out. Well, on that note, we've got the Nintendo Direct that happened. Yeah, that was certainly. It had a lot of stuff. Yeah. And much like your music choices, I feel like going to the farm now. <laughs> there were so Why were there so many? <laughs> there were at least four and a half. And it's because of the pandemic. Uh, it's 100%. Damn, Stardew Valley was so good to me. I can make a Stardew Valley. It's so fast, fascinating seeing those post-pandemic games. Like, how many horror games were at, like, E3? Yeah. Just, everyone was miserable and wanted to scare people. That was hilarious. I, what is up... Uh, the first game that was shown, just kind of building off of Splatoon, why is the protagonist tear a constant turf war? <laughs> why is that, that character design? Uh, it was actually designed by an artist who uh, made a few popular VTubers with a similar design to that. Okay. So, like, it works for the artist's style. I don't think it works for Fire Emblem. No. Like, on its own, I think it's a fine design, but... I, I gotta say, I like the idea of, like, summoning the spirits of other Fire Emblem fighters. Like, they're, they're building off of what made Heroes successful, and if they can, like, make it in a way that they actually have some, like, meaningful interactions with each other, I would mm-hmm. love that. Just, let just like, let Lin and Ike have a conversation. Hector and Ike being best bros, I would yes. love that so much. Yes. But I think, and that might be partially because of that, that this is easily the weakest first impression of, like, a Fire Emblem cast, like, the main cast of the game that I've ever seen. Yeah, because it's overshadowed by I want to marry Ike. <laughs> like, there, there's no way that this game's cast is going to compare to the cast they're bringing in. Like, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot with that. Yeah, and I mean, I get what it's going for. It's like, okay, here's your main cast, and then they essentially have the Awakening pair up with a legend like i understand the idea of it being legends that power up the new cast but no one's going to care i i'd almost rather have a game where it was just the legends getting stuck somewhere and you just just kind of shove the cast they summon the the cast to help them the cast are the spirits <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> i'm just 
It's weird for me to see this coming as one of the few people who actually played Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag FE, and being like, this is your second attempt at it, and it's less inspired. Maybe the more we learn about it, it'll look a little better. And you're still making the same problems. Wow. And I get that this is clearly an anniversary game that was delayed due oh, to the pandemic. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah, duh. But. And like, it, it, it does look good. Like, it's a far huge step up from Fire Emblem Three Houses in terms of, like, graphical power and just, like... Oh, totally. You, you, you see, like, archers are actually on towers and stuff. That, that's cool. Yeah, but, like, how many Nintendo Directs have started with Fire Emblem? Too many. Wasn't the last one, too? That was the Fire Emblem Three Houses Warriors game? Three Hopes? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I, I just feel really like... They're really trying to make it into one of their staples. And I truly feel fatigued every time that I see a Nintendo Direct. I'm like, okay, time for Fire Emblem. Okay, finally I could pay attention. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm dogging it too much. I am interested in the game. Yeah. Like, it, it's an appealing concept. I'd love to see these characters interact, but I don't feel like the dialogue of Fire Emblem is as good as it used to be, so I'm a little hesitant. And yes. it's just... How do I, how do I put this? I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't trust the... Uh, this is going to be too much fan service and not enough um, substance. Agreed. I have seen bad ripoffs of K-On plenty of times. I'm I'm good to move on to like stories and shit. We got we got a we got a codec comment actually about like moving the series forward. I I can't wait to get to about this. But okay. Oh, w w one more thing though. That is a okay. stupid ass name. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. It's, it's, it's perfect for what Fire Emblem is. I mean, that sounds like the Pokemon Unite version of Fire Emblem. I'm sorry. It does. But that's exactly what Fire Emblem is now. Yeah. Okay, let's power through the rest of this direct. Okay. Um, Diddy Kong exists. Huzzah! I'm glad I willed him into existence. He looks good. Uh, Fatal Frame is neat. This is one that was never translated and brought to Engl uh, U.S. territories before. So oh, it's so good it's, to it's see like it. brand new for us. Cool. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Front Mission and Front Mission 2, actually. Front Mission 2 was never brought over, so. Yeah. Uh, I, and Front I think Mission, been, that was revealed a while back, though. Might not have been a Nintendo Direct. No, but. Front Mission 1 was, but Front Mission 2 was not. Oh. They're doing, like, 3 as well, right? Yes. And 3 is the one everyone likes. Cool. I know nothing about that series other than 3 is the one everyone likes, but it's weird. <laughs> nice. Pikmin 4 exists after Miyamoto tried to sell a year-old mobile game. What the hell was that segment? That was Miyamoto going on like, for like three Hello, minutes guys. about Hello, that mobile game. Hello, fellow kids. I love Pikmin. Do you love Pikmin? They won't let me make more Pikmin, so let me try to sell you on Pikmin so that we can make more Pikmin. And as soon as that went up, I realized, oh, we're not getting the Donkey Kong game here, are we? <laughs> I actually watched a bit of your reaction after the fact. Sorry I couldn't make it to that. Work was work. But... Oh, no, no problem. But, like, it was like, I, I saw that and I was like, yep, yep. I, I can already feel the wind of that bet coming towards me. This is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am very happy that Pikmin 4 exists, but we like, this is essentially in the same spot we were before the direct happened with that game. Like, it, I, I have no faith in the 2023 release dates. After what little they showed? I believe it, actually. I believe that they won't extend Pikmin's development time in the same way they would Zelda's. 
It's been in development for a while, though. I, I would love to hear a behind-the-scenes about just what happened to that game. I'd like to hear a behind-the-scenes of a lot of Nintendo's projects. Fair. Uh, Radiant Silver Gun got a same-day release, and that's a cool game. Cool. Done by Treasure, same team that did Ikaruga. Ikaruga's amazing. This was a Saturn exclusive, and now it's not. Nice. Octopath 2 exists, and I am tired of Octopath-style games, honestly. I feel that. I, I still like the art style, but it's always being used in the exact same, like, RPG format. I just think in a year where Triangle Strategy, Live Alive, and now this are all bomb ba bomb ba bomb I'm just- All from the <laughs> same studio? <laughs> yeah, I'm just- I- These are meaty enough that I need time to digest, please. Yeah. Pokemon Stadium Rentals Only version will be the hardest Pokemon game. Because they announced a bunch of new games for the uh, N64 online service, including all three Mario parties for the N64. Which is just, ah, oh, so perfect to have on, like, an online system. We haven't had one in three since their original N64 releases, so this is amazing to see. Yeah. Uh, but Pokemon Stadium was, and Stadium 2 were announced to not have connectivity to other Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. So those games are going to be brutal. Are you aware of how the rental system works? Yeah, 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 yeah. And how, like, they give Alakazam confusion and Abra psychic? Right, yeah. And how they all have minimum level DVs or EVs or whatever it is? Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be rough. It is! It's gonna be real unique to see what people do with those games. Uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, just Cool. I can't, yeah. I can't really add anything to that. That's just a cool pick. It's also coming to Xbox, but the Xbox version is not going to have online multiplayer. Only the Nintendo service what? will. Yeah. Why? Because they'd have to make online multiplayer because they're adding features. But the uh, N64 version, they're just doing the N64 version. So whatever Nintendo is uh, using to just make the online service work just okay. works. So it's a, that's basically just an emulator and you're having different people connect to it. Yes. It's emulation versus actually making the game again. Okay, that, that, that tracks. Uh, Tales of Symphonia Remaster? Awesome. I haven't played that game since 2006. I haven't played it at all, but cool. I like Lloyd. He's a fun character in Smash Flash. Lloyd is fun, and he is also stupid. I like him. <laughs> Kirby retains Fat Dedede and Samurai yes! Kirby. I'm so happy they're keeping that one. That's my favorite DVD design. Why do they have Smash 3DS outlines? I don't know. It's a design choice. It is weird. I, I think I like the art direction overall less than the original Return Dreamland. I know it's prettier, but like... But DDD. It's messier. Yes, that is the better version of DDD. I agree. And I thrilled that they're bringing Kirby back version of him too. Samurai Kirby, yeah. And the game where you're all in a circle and you toss a bomb to each other with frying pans. <laughs> it's such a weird fucking it's game. It's so good. I, I love how many mini games it looks like it has. It almost looks like, like there's like at least ten in there or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they'll add anything as like a true arena add-on. I, I hope so. Like I, I love Return to Dreamland, but it is very much a game that's how do I put this? Uh, I kind of talked about in Forgotten Land that it was a game that was not developed with like two player in mind, and you can kind of mm -hmm. break the game with that. Return yeah. to Dreamland was made with four-player in mind, but that turned it into a very, very, very linear, very vanilla experience where you're kind of just goofing off with friends as you go down a set path. Agreed. 
I don't think it hits its stride until its last worlds. I, I agree. I think the first five worlds are just stuff happens. And I still enjoy it, but like it's very yeah. much you enjoy it because you're playing with people, not because of the actual game. It's mid Kirby to me. Yeah, which is still a delightful time, but yeah. still. Yeah, and then Zelda got a name. That's it. I'm so tired of the abstract Zelda trailers. Just give, give something of, like, substance. Yeah, yeah, I'm pissed off at Zelda now. It's like, oh, here's, here's three, like, shots of something different. It's like, oh, this thing goes up. Isn't that cool? You know, and th there's, there's this little painting here. Who is this person now? Like, I, I'm, I'm feeling Death Stranding levels of just being dragged along. And I'm just, you're, you're losing my, like, investment in this at this point. I get that you know your hot shit, and no matter what you do, you just have to do a little bit. I understand it. Ugh. I'm probably not going to pick it up on release. I don't think I will, unless Zelda's playable. Zelda playable will get me into it, but... Yeah. I'm just tired of hearing about it at this point. Yeah. But who cares about all of that, because Garfield Party exists! It's so nice that we finally hit the peak of the party game genre. It's happened, we're done. It took a very long time. We had some stumbles on the way, but finally, finally, Garfield is here. Our Lord and Savior. I have no idea how the game actually plays. I just love that it exists. I hope stars are lasagna. <laughs> yes, that'd be great. That's all I want. Give me the most basic bitch Garfield stuff and let me go. <laughs> uh, anyway, Sony had a same day conference and that was much better than the Nintendo Direct. Oh, it was so good. Like, opening up with Tekken 8 and how sick that game looked. Yes. I don't love cinematic trailers, but when it's at the point where you can't tell which is cinematic and what is gameplay, that's some good shit there. Yeah. Like, it was just... I, I love games that will jump between the two. Yes. Like, trailers will jump between the two. That That is just... It really gets you just invested in the moment. Yes, but God, Tekken's presentation has always been immaculate. And it's continuing. Absolutely. We also got Like a Dragon Ishin's worldwide release, which is the Yakuza game that takes place in the feudal Japani times, mm -hmm. which nice. was brought over entirely because Ghost of Tsushima was well received. Because they were like, well, we don't know if people would like Japan as an environment overseas. Are you kidding? And then they saw Ghost of Tsushima and like, wow, people really like Japan as an environment overseas. Who, who, who would, would have thunk it? Uh, they also have the man who erased his name to follow Kiryu in between Yakuza 6 and Yakuza 7. I don't know what that means, but that's cool. That means that he's getting a midquel game because Kiryu needed another game. And then Kiryu will be in Like a Dragon 8 and he has ugly Yu Narukami comb-overs to disguise his identity. <laughs> and then there was other stuff like there was a really, really good God of War trailer. Oh my gosh, yes, that... That one line where just Atreus is talking to his dad, and he's like, you don't believe me, and I still, I follow you. Just like, oh, the emotion that they put into those performances is so good. I'm so glad they're letting him age up his voice and go through puberty. Absolutely. I, I, I love the, I just love everything I've seen about that game. I can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. Shooting the moon, like the eclipse, and using that to like shoot it away. That was some sick Norse mythology references. I love that so much. Oh, yeah. I love that we had to see Thor snap his fingers in order to summon Mjolnir, whereas Kratos just puts his hand up and he gets the MCU bring the axe to him, like 
that's a nice differentiation, that's a nice bit of flair, and that's a potential weakness for how he's going to beat Thor. That's so cool. Yeah. H- having having the weapons meet midair, like, come on, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, were, there was other stuff in that thing, too, but that, that it was the God of War in Tekken 8 that really just, like, they started strong, ended strong. There was good stuff in the middle, but, like... Oh, I sit there and cram my face with Yakuza. Like, that, that's me going like, cool, cool, yeah, this is for me! Sequel to Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion Announced, Turnip Boy Robs a Bank. I, that, that's just wonderful. I don't have anything else to say about that. That just They commissioned a plush of him. It is just Turnip Boy with a gun. <laughs> you can get your own Turnip Boy with a gun plush if you would like. Oh, that's... I am invested in this franchise now. <laughs> uh, Toby Fox will replace Masahiro Sakurai as a Famitsu columnist. Nice. Dude's moving up in the world. Imagine 10 years ago just making Homestuck shit posts. <laughs> and now and you're this here. is where you are. <laughs> Sakurai chose you. Well, no, that, that, that just... Well, no, they helped each other. Like, uh, Toby Fox was the one who got Sakurai in contact with uh, 8-4, who's doing the translations for his YouTube channel. Like, that's a solid bridge now. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter 6! Street Fighter 6! Holy shit, Street Fighter 6! Oh yeah, all that shit was just- I completely forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. But like, uh, everything. Just decide to reveal the whole starting roster in spoken word poetry. Dropping bars. Doing verse. Uh, All the world warriors except Zangief are revealed in gameplay. Uh, Ken is not actually homeless because she she took the kids. He is homeless by choice. Yeah, he's on the run, right? Yes. He is nobly homeless instead of disgraced homeless. Uh, the full story mode, and you get to do Xenoverse shit, and you have a creative character, and you learn moves from the World Warriors, and then you can do them in the overworld. <laughs> that, 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 I think it's, uh, is it the Chun-Li kick that's the spinning? Yes, the spinning bird kick. And, and you're just using that to helicopter around the world? That's so yes. funny. Yes. And yoga teleport to get across gaps. And you even have your own Gary Oak for your creative character. And you get to be goofy with your creative character. This is what fighting games need. They need this single player content for the people who aren't just like, okay, this is going to be my personality for the next five years. It's so nice to see that this seems to be finally getting it. Like, just everything I've seen about this game seems to be like, on the money, exactly what it needed. Like, all the character designs they showed, like, Dalism freaks me out, but, like, in the best possible way. I don't get why he is blowing his nose with his foot to make the fire come out. <laughs> why is Jury the foot character when Dalsim is doing this shit? <laughs> uh, speaking of Jury, did you see her mid-round uh, animation? Win animation? When she, when she, like, mocks Chun-Li's. Yes, when she does Chun-Li's and she just cannot keep herself from laughing. That is everything to me. It's got so much personality. Ugh. And this game might have just arcade games that you play while you're waiting for a match. So instead of training mode, you might just play Final Fight or Darkstalkers 3. That isn't confirmed, but that might be what we saw. I would love that so much. I I, I, I could say that about this entire game, really. Like, yeah. I... I Coming from the perspective of somebody who has never cared about Street Fighter whatsoever, I'm so excited for this game. It looks so good. 
uh, Mega Man Network Legacy Collection, or Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, rather, will have online battles and chip trading. Neat. That's cool. No, that's great. That's the equivalent of, like, if Nintendo ported Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green and Ruby Sapphire Emerald and said, yeah, you can still do online trading and battling. Okay, yeah. That, okay, that, that actually is pretty cool. That, that's extra work that makes those games come alive. And that's really nice. Uh, One Piece Odyssey launches January 13th. Nice. That's the MMO, right? Uh, That is the JRPG. Oh, JRPG. Right, right, right. Yes. And that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Suikoden 1 plus 2 HD announced for 2023 on Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and Switch. Those are amazing, amazing old school PS1 RPGs. Uh, it's based on the concept of the 108 Stars of Destiny. So you literally go around the world and recruit 108 characters. And not all of them are party members, but all of them add to your army, add to your ranks, add to NPCs that you can interact with. And that was nuts for the 90s. And it's still a huge roster of characters for now. Yeah. Suikoden 1 I haven't played much of. Suikoden 2 is an all-time great JRPG. I recommend that to anyone. So then there was a trailer for the Dragon Ball Asymmetrical Survival Game, Dragon Ball Z The Breakers. And I've been following this curiously because I thought it was a really, really cool concept. Because how it was announced was that... It was a game where you are a bunch of people trying to get the Dragon Balls and go back in time so that you can escape from Cell. And Cell was always a horror movie monster character who absorbs yes. you and gets more power. So I thought, that's perfect. That's such a cool concept. Uh, they added Frieza, who is who works less for it. Basically, he just kills you and then he turns into another form because he gets hyped, I guess. And it's just sure. looking for the Dragon Balls. But they changed it enough where it's like his conquest of Namek, where he's going through, he's going through the villages, and he just blows up what he doesn't need anymore. So they, they contextualized it. Uh, this update added Boo, and Boo looks crazy, Ooh. because now there's a phase where he can absorb you, and then there's a level where you're inside of him fighting, cool. just looking for an escape. And that's rad, Boo is my favorite character. But more importantly, they added Farmer with Shotgun. Farmer I've, with Shotgun, power level five. I haven't watched enough Dragon Ball to know the reference to that. But this is a character who appears alone. in the first episode and shoots a shotgun at Raditz as he goes to the planet. And Raditz spares him. And the meme has been for years that he was too scared of Farmer with Shotgun. Because that <laughs> yes. shotgun would have ended the series if he stuck around. This is like a 30-year-old meme character becoming playable. Nice. I'm so excited. And that's the best part because you have to farm, so he has to craft the shotgun. Yes! <laughs> and like, I love Boo. I adore that character so much. Farmer with shotgun. Uh, that game actually comes out later this month, so. Oh, all right. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good, because that gets right to my heart. Yeah, I mean, I, I love asymmetrical survival stuff. It, it, it's fun to try to work together against a powerful foe, and it's fun being that powerful foe, just completely stomping everybody else. Yeah. 
And like, it's a Dragon Ball game. It'll be janky, but like, for sure, I, I don't care. Because <laughs> like, it'll always be janky. I just want to hunt people as sell. Exactly. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, video Game Donkey enters the video game publishing business with Big Mode Studios. I'm actually genuinely interested in that. I am very curious. I thought it was a very, very bad sell. Because he's like, I only cover the best games. I spend my career highlighting games that need to be highlighted, like Celeste and I mean, Hollow donkey. Knight. In general, though. I know, but it was like in his sincere voice as opposed to his donkey voice. Like half of the time I'm really into donkey's presentation and half of the time I'm like, I get it's your comedy character, but I'm not a fan. And, and, and this fell on my not a fan side and that was, it's important for the sell of your actual video game company to not fall there. I mean, it's I just know. publishing though, right? Yeah, it's just a publishing business. Yeah, just trying to find projects that's... Yeah, I'm really curious, and this could be a great thing for a lot of smaller devs. Honestly, I'd love it if this started becoming a thing with, like, bigger YouTubers like that that can actually afford something like that. I agree, your, I agree. Put your money where your mouth is. I'd sell out for Alpha Rad. <laughs> uh, Guilty Gear Exerd Rev 2 is also, also getting rollback. Wow. They're just going back to the library. Honestly, if you're doing it for one, and it, there's, you still can see that you're still an active player base there, might as well. Yeah, but it's so interesting for this one because that's something that will directly compete with Strive. Like, this is a bad business decision to do it right now. I, I, I'm not surprised that the Guilty Gear developers care more about their fans. I know. Than the that, business that's side of great. It. They, I mean, they made a, like that whole entire trailer just to celebrate. Their... Yeah, I'm just saying this is a bad move. God, I love Arxis. <laughs> oh, me too. And then the last little thing the last little touch as something goes into the horizon forever google is officially shutting down the stadia january 18th i am shocked shocked i say google giving up on a project that people have invested in now they are refunding you for all stadia purchases really yeah which i did not expect oh okay trying to like they're realizing that this was a bad idea and that all the bad press that they got was going to slam them right now. So you know what? Good for you, Google. Good for you, multi-billion dollar company. You did. You aren't the scum I thought you were. You're still scum, but you're like, you're in a slightly higher circle of hell. <laughs> yeah, just, just move up a level. That's fine. Yeah. Well, no, you're, you're in the same level, but like you were promoted from a shack to a condo there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's how I feel. Cloud sure is the future, huh? Abs absolutely. It's so successful. And that is the news. Uh, here are games they're releasing in the month of October. Overwatch 2. No, it isn't. It's pretending it's, to. It's releasing in four days. It's pretending to. Nier Automata on the Switch, which is apparently a miracle port. I'm not surprised by that. Like, apparently, it's actually really incredible, and they did a bunch of work to oh, make it actually work. Oh, you mean like work. it actually works? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's news reports saying, like, they did a miraculous job and retextured a bunch of stuff and refizzed a bunch of stuff to make it actually run on the Switch. Like, it's not a Kingdom Hearts situation. I'll, I'll write then. Good for you guys. Yeah. Well done. 
Uh, as mentioned before, Dragon Ball The Breakers. Nice. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. The only one that matters. Yes. Yep. Uh, Gotham Knights. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, really? That's going to be fun to talk about. Yes. For Honest and for Truly. That Okay. okay. Sure. Um, A Plague Tale. I, I think it's Requiem that's coming out. Yeah, A Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, haven't played, but glad that it's getting a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Persona 5 Royal for the Switch. Finally. Yeah, so you, you guys, you get it. You can play it. It'll be cool. And Bayonetta 3. I will feel bad about skipping that for Mario Sparks of Hope. That, that I feel bad really every fun. time I skip Bayonetta, which is every time that there's a Bayonetta. The, right? They're like... It's always on my priority list, but it's never high enough that I actually get around to it. Yep. Every single time, without fail. All right, and that is that. Uh, the future. I'm only working on stuff for December. You'll see, you'll see a video coming out from us. Probably by the time this comes out, you'll have a video on King Dedede out. Yep. That's fabulous. Duke did an amazing job with the editing. Oh, stop, please. Flattery will get you everywhere. I cried at several points. It was good. Yes. And I cried even in different ways. Damn, I scored this well. <laughs> and then I will have another video that will come out probably toward the end of the month. And that will be on Diddy Kong Racing and its villain, Whizpig. All right. He nice. is an alien wizard pig who likes racing. You can only imagine how I managed to eke out like 17 minutes out of that. <laughs> I can't wait to eat it. Watch that do better than the Diddy Kong video. Oh, I would cry. I would laugh, but I would cry. <laughs> but yeah, after that, uh, you won't hear from me until December. And then you'll hear from me in December. Mm-hmm. It will be screams of hearing. Yes. Very loud. Much loudness. I will be spending most of my time working on that. Uh, I might have... Well, I'll have Peasant's Perspective this month as well. I might have a ramble, too. I, I kind of got off on a weird tangent of just a thought process, and I was like, you know what, I kind of want to make a video about this. Do I want to talk about what the... I'll, I'll talk about the concept here, sure, I'd love to see, hear, like, other people's opinions on this. Yeah. Um, uh, talking about cultures in video games, and how we don't get very many of them. Just, just media in general. If you're seeing, like, something in a medieval setting, 95% of that's going to be in Western Europe, and, like, by Western Europe, I mean, like, France and Britain-based, and that's, like, it. Or <laughs> it's going to be in Japan, and that's kind of it and i just kind of want to just talk about like other things they could like one of my pitches is just imagine a souls game but you're in a Mes mesoamerican warrior like just an aztec jaguar warrior something like that just in that setting with that kind of mythology facing off against that kind of stuff now now Wouldn't to play so devil's cool? advocate for with you just so that i give you a softball pitch here is that not assassin's creed i mean yes but like it's ubisoft and all those games are the same it, 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 it's it's hilarious to me that the ones that are best at showcasing like different cultures in our media is Ubisoft and Blizzard with Overwatch, which like I really don't feel like those two she should be in the lead right now. You're you're sure on that because like we found the diversity chart, it came out. No, I know, but even the, like before that came out, I I do I will like genuinely defend like the Overwatch writers. They did a really good job of like pulling people from different parts of the world. Yes, but their scores had to be high because it was based on how far away they were from Irvine, California. I mean, it's still not the best, but at least it's something. I would. There like, are three I, I Japanese characters. All of them are ninjas. 
Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I just, like, I want to see some different environments in video games. I'm getting kind of tired of, like, the same stuff over and over and over again. I want a Monster Hunter game based in, like, based in, like, India or something like that. To take a bit of inspiration from that mythology. That, that's really what the video is about. Okay, yeah, that's a fair concept and it'll get people talking, contributing what they want. So, yeah. that's cool. I always feel like it has to be a melting pot of perspectives for something like that, specifically. So, that's a great ground for it. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I, I feel like the conversation's kind of been gotten too much to a point of just, like, I understand and agree with it. Of, like, just inconclusively bring everybody into, like, the same thing. But we're kind of starting to forget that, like, there's cool things in other parts of the world. Like, that so focused on, like, not judging based off differences negatively that we're forgetting that there's cool differences, too. And, like, to celebrate all those things, too, is, I don't know, it's a, it's a conversation. I kind of want to just poke it I a agree. little bit. Well, I could agree with that. That's probably, if there is a video this month, that'll be the only one. I might not even get to that because I've got a lot of other things to work for for December. Yeah. Whew. All right. And with that said, we can hit the bonus stage. Welcome to bonus stage. All right. So for this bonus stage, what I should be bringing, by far what I'm most opinionated on, is the new Lord of the Rings show, The Rings of Power. I've never had anything that I've so polarizingly loved with all my heart and dis heart? What was that? And despised with every you fiber of my being. <laughs> like, it, it is so many conflicting emotions for that show. I'd love to talk about it, but it's not done. So I'm not going to talk about it yet. So I figured, you know what? I've, I've been reading a lot of it. Let's talk about the first 300 chapters of One Piece. Yeah! Yeah, let's do it! Oh, I'm super excited! <laughs> okay, so just, just, just a bit of background with the series. I didn't really have any interest in just One Piece in general until we made the deal for Lord of the Rings for One Piece because I found the art style off-putting and I found Luffy annoying. A very one-dimensional character. That is entirely fair. Yeah, It's pronounced <laughs> Luffy. Luffy, okay. I'm, I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> you will... You will get raked over the coals for that. I'm, I might do it on purpose. Because Jeff Keighley went monkey to Luffy when they announced One Piece Odyssey. Uh, it, it, it's funny because having read it, neither of those judgments were really false. I've just learned to love them regardless. Yeah. Character, character design is often very ugly, but it's also like batshit crazy. Pushing what a believable human body can look at to like very ridiculous extremes unless you're a woman in which case i can't tell the major characters apart but the dudes are crazy varied and i love it you have two forms of woman wow sexy and oh big i i, I th there were so many parts where i very i i could not tell nami and vivi apart like we just get them in different angles i'm not even sure which character is talking in the moment Th that, that's understandable and then luffy is just he is so stupid he's impressively stupid He's not the kind of character that overcomes obstacles by learning from his mistakes. He just keeps banging his head against the wall until the wall shatters. And that's just, I, I can't help but admire the sheer determination. Yeah, that, that's what I love about him. He doesn't solve the problem. He is the problem solver. He just needs your help specifically so that he can bang it in the right way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as for, like, overall thoughts of the manga overall, it's like, it's on a bashedly shonen. Like, there's the cool fight scenes, the ridiculous slapstick, extreme characters, Nami is allergic to keeping her shirt intact, it's all that jazz. 
Oh, yeah. And there are plenty of things about that genre that annoy me, but I'm enjoying this a lot more than, like, say, like, Xenoblade 2, for example, because it's got, like, the... It's got narrative consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not someone to argue for realism in the media I consume, but I do want the worlds and the stories I get invested in to remain consistent within themselves. Like, I, I can enjoy the, the craziest of characters, the wackiest of settings, so long as they commit to whatever they are going for. Like, if you're trying to have, like, a really serious story, but, like, absurd designs or, like, slapstick humor, it, it doesn't always, like, mesh. But right. One Piece does not have that problem. As it yes. takes every storytelling dial it has... And cranks them to a point that they snap in half. This is why I recommended the series to you, because I thought that the world building of One Piece is insane and exceptional. It, it, is, it is truly insane. And like, it, it kind of feels like it's kind of just made up on the spot, just throwing more items on top of the tower, but it's still swaying and standing up regardless. Oh, it's not. This is all planned. Really? Yeah, like Oda would create... He would show off character concepts that would then come in 20 years down the line when he planned for them to come in. Okay, I take that back. Well done. Yeah, no, This is one of the most meticulously crafted stories that has ever been put to paper. He made this full world and he got the miracle chance to keep it going for as long as he has. Even, even then again, like, I love the world building of this show. It is... It, it takes that extremism and just runs with it. Like, there, there's, there's no monster too big, no, no natural disaster too crazy. Every, care, every emotional moment of a character is screamed at the top of their lungs. Design is ridiculous. You'll, you'll get giant sea serpents that'll be defeated with a single kick to the face. It is glorious absurdity in every single way, and I enjoy it immensely. Yes. And then it give, hits you with actual weight. Right? Just to ask, because I asked about Arlong last time, uh, what did you think of Chopper's backstory? That was like, well, I I, I loved it. Just just a okay general thought process, but mm -hmm. oh, I, I'm 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 in that mindset of just like, oh crap, how do I like praise the thing for doing the good thing good? Because I just adore Doctor Hirolook as a character. Like, what an incredible flashback character! Absolutely, and just having that kind of um. Just there's there's so much self sacrifice in this manga. Just doing yeah. things for the just because it's the right thing to do, and you, and you can really empathize empathize with Chopper because like it's hard being a monster that's like being perceived as a monster when you just yeah. want to help people. It's it's incredible how they're able to marry the lore of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer <laughs> into an oppressed kingdom based on medicine. Yeah, and how here look himself embodies all of the different struggles of its people and its doctors and its king. He embodies why everyone thinks the way they do in this area. And that's what a great flashback character to me is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. How far into Skypea are you? Uh, just, I think it's literally chapter 300 I hit. Um, gotcha. Is his name Emiru, the lightning? Yes. Yes. Uh, he, he's he's defeated. He flew to the moon. Ah, alrighty, cool. Uh, so I want to talk about that flashback sequence. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Just the, oh, the, the, I, 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 this is like literally two days ago, so it's still very fresh and I can't remember names. No, neither could I. But, um, tree, the, the tree virus doctor creating that history with the, the warrior as he tries to 
get them to stop sacrificing people and actually like heal their illnesses and just the the whole thing with the bell yes uh i th- i was generally down on the skypea arc just as a whole i think it's a weaker follow-up to arabasta i'd agree with but, that yeah oh that flashback at least sequence. at first that flashback sequence just makes it for me. That and obviously the entire one-page spread of his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I finally know where that meme's from. I'm so happy. Right? It's like, I get it now. I, it was so fun, just like having that slow connecting of dots. Being like, oh wow, this is a dangerous Thunderman. Nobody- Thunder, Lightning. Lightning, nobody can face against him. What were they going to do? Like, oh my god, Luffy here was a rubber man. I'm like, wait. <laughs> it was even funnier because there was like a peasant's perspective we did where we were talking about a pokemon rubber type uh-huh so it kind of just met just perfectly line up the dots for like my mental process to go through like wait a minute you can't do anything to him that's awesome yes that's a great achilles heel it's like this character is way above your pay grade but you're a perfect counter <laughs> congratulations you send out shedinja against something that can't hit it Yes. But yeah, I would like to talk about uh, Alabasta in general, because of the first 300 of the first third, it is probably my favorite. I, I enjoy there, there. There's a very uh, compelling conflict created by the uh, removal of either food or water, I think. Yes. It, it's just a very easy way of getting you invested in the hardships of a land and making you want to see those people get over that. Yes. I think that... Watching Crocodile's forces move is some of the most engrossing, just watching a villain team in general. I, I love competent villains so yes. much. What I really, really love about Alabasta is that every time they get an inch, every time that there is an even a hope or a remote success, Crocodile takes it away instantly. It is violently oppressive in its storytelling. From the fake king bit, to Kaiza getting shot, to every last speech he gives to Vivi. Vivi? Bleh. Words? Uh, so, so many good speeches. Like, the one where he was, like, pointing out, like, her desire to stop, save every single life has prevented her from, from like, stopping the war and it's now going to lose more. Like, he's right. Yes. Like, it, it, that's so powerful when your villain is right and is able to, like, just pull those moments out of you for that. To me, this is where the story completely turns, because to this point, Luffy is a gag character. Essentially, you are giving him weaknesses in his fights that he has to overcome, like, oh no, he's surrounded by water. Oh no, it's a fishy man. He is all water. But Luffy overcomes them, and he is markedly the most powerful force in there. Mm -hmm. And then Crocodile plunges his hook through Luffy. And like... It's not even close. It's not even a fight. He is toying with him. It's not like Luffy gets caught off guard. He's in his element. He's doing the Luffy thing. And the joke just falls flat and dies. And I adore that moment. I just, I don't know. I feel like Crocodile is a master stroke of a villain in just the way that they are paced, the way that they connect all of the pieces in the world. The way that they up the stakes of the world, not by just being, I am invincible, you cannot hurt me, haha, but by 
plunging a knife into the ideology of the series, and that twisting the stakes. Something that honestly Shonen rarely sees outside of, like, when Goku died for the first time in Dragon Ball. Yeah. Probably directly inspired by that, honestly. Yeah. It was a very, very impactful moment. See, I just really love that character, and I want to hear you compliment him, <laughs> because I, he's really formative, and I like him. I, I, I'm in that awkward state where, like, yeah, I like it, but I, I, it's so fresh that I haven't quite, like, memorized everything. Mm-hmm. Now, so I'm, I'm trying to reach for, like, things I really enjoy. I, I, I love the kind of puzzle-solving aspect of the fights in this series. Yes. But, like, going against Crocodile and just having it be like, okay, he... He's made of sand. Logically, what's the way you beat sand? You, you, you get it wet, obviously. So, but you can't like you're not like a waterbender or anything like that. So he just dunks water on himself and carries a barrel with him the entire time. Yes. Oh, oh, the four kids dub did the final fight with him so stupidly. Oh no! What did they do? Uh, so you know how the solution is that uh, Luffy is covered in blood, and he's using his own blood and determination. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Well, they couldn't do blood for the four kids dub. So instead, he, they're underground, right? So it's really, really hot. So he's really, really oh, sweaty. Oh, no. So his sweat will let oh. him hit him. <laughs> oh, that's... that's. <laughs> I feel like seeing that in motion would be worse than blood. Oh, oh that's... <laughs> it's my big favorite. <laughs> Oh, that's so stupid. I I love that. God, yes. Anyway, you're about to hit a really great stretch of One Piece. Uh, The next arc is pure comedy, and then the one immediately after is some people's favorite in the entire series. All right, all right. I'm definitely having fun with this, and we'll definitely continue. Uh, Not the anime, though. That is unbearably slow. I I stopped. Oh, yeah. I was... You were you said you were watching the anime. I went no. <laughs> oh, that's a mistake. That's going to end. No, what I do is I read it and then I look for the anime moment. And I'm like, I would like to see this voiced, basically. Yeah, I, I see that. I see that. And then I go and look at the episode. And I'm like, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying this series. Yeah, like the characters are solid. The, uh, con- I, I love how varied the fruits are. It's just, yes. what on earth can you make a superpower, and what in what ways is it useful? It's also hilarious that they all make you allergic to the ocean, but all of them are owned by pirates. Yes. Just just more slapstick of it. Absolutely. Uh, I apologize that Sanji exists. You know what, I wouldn't mind Sanji as... I, I almost don't mind him at all because Nami has him wrapped around her finger. I, mm-hmm. I can I can stomach those characters a lot easier when they're like objectively making their lives harder or portrayed as pathetic or easy to manipulate because of that. That's fair. Yeah, I will say that that was one of the worst hot spring scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Just like okay, it's a hot spring. I was I was like prepared for it. I was ready. Then I was like, it, the king is literally leading them to spy on his daughter, like. Okay, dude, maybe not do that, please. Yeah, it's... I admittedly had completely blocked it out. No, that's because that's what you do with these sorts of yeah. things. You don't think about the Persona 4 hot spring scene until it's like brought up to you. And you're like, oh, no, right, I think yeah. of that one vividly. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's... 
Like, I, I, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. I'm just trying to edit it out of my memory. <laughs> Imagine my horror when I go, okay, he's hitting Alabasta. I love Crocodile. I love Mr. Two. <laughs> I love the fight with Usopp Chopper, Mr. Four, and Miss uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, I love Usopp so much. He, he's always flying by the seat of his pants, and he never yes. knows how to do anything, but he just... Last possible second, get to like a Rube Goldberg machine into like, okay, I can fire this here and everything will explode. And it's just the most beautiful thing to see. Yes. So imagine all of that and the reaction I get is, okay, that's enough anime for one day. Hit the hot spring scene. I, I, I should have just stopped the chapter before. <laughs> like I was right at the end of like, okay, I'm about to go to sleep. I'll read one more chapter. Shit. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's fine. It's shonen. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. I know it's the audience they're trying to appeal to. Yeah. But it's still fun, and the positives far outweigh the negatives. Excellent. Very happy to hear that. I, I need to ask, is it Zolo or Zoro? I swear I've seen it written both throughout the series. Zolo is the English translation so that they don't get copyrighted by Zoro. Oh. But it is Zoro. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Gosh, that favorite character, honestly. He's the, he's the he's the bastion of logic that the group desperately needs. Yes. That's the one that won't take up anybody's shit. And like it's just so cool just to watch him take like 50 fatal blows and then just cut a building in half. Oh, totally. I don't know why I find his zero sense of direction joke so funny. It's so good. But it's taken to such an absurd degree that I never get tired of it. I love when characters have just silly weaknesses like that. It's it's a really humanizing element that more people need to... I, I, it's one of the best ways to write, honestly. Just give your character a weakness and then go from there. Yeah. But yeah, I like One Piece. I'm a fan. We'll keep Awesome. Watching. That's why I want to hear. That's why I was so scared of hearing the opposite of... of yeah, I watched Alabaster. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. That was the true fear of, oh shit, I have fucked this up. <laughs> <laughs> I read this room so wrong. <laughs> All right. So I have several things to settle on for this, and I have to figure out which one I want to pick. Um, Just as an aside, I did watch the first Lord of the Rings movie, and I did enjoy it. Yes! Oh, that is a victory and a half. It's so nice. It's like shot and filmed like a book as opposed to a movie. Exactly. It's just so comfortable in how much time it takes with characters. I almost feel bad on the action scenes because I don't like how the action scenes are shot. But oh, I really? like. Yeah, I feel like it's clunky and that it uh, takes away from the choreography. I can see that. It's, it's just too chaotic and messy, and that's not where the strength of the series lies for me. I, I think it's done in that way, because Tolkien was very anti-war. Like, that, that was the biggest criticism that was levied against the movies, was that they kind of glorify action a bit. Yeah. I, I think it was a design direction chosen to show the uh, the chaos and terror of battle. Like, you're not <laughs> supposed to have, like, gorgeous choreography unless you're Legolas, who's just going to do ridiculous shit throughout the rest of the movies. It's yeah. supposed to. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be brutal. It's supposed to be very. I, I love that the characters seem to be in genuine terror. Like they, they, they can feel the danger of the situation they're in. Yeah, I like when they have to run away from something. I don't like when they actually turn around and fight it. I can see that. 
Like, Gimli is the worst equipped character for this sort of cinematography. <laughs> to be fair, the, the actor's a lot taller than what he's allowed to do. No, I get it. So it's very hard to... I get it. So I think I will focus and I will pick this one. Because I watched the second season of Primal by Genti Tartoski. Ooh! Uh, are you familiar with it or watched the first season? I, or I am familiar. I've only seen clips, but like a lot of clips. I don't know why I haven't just bitten the bullet and watched it, but I, I know the the general flow of the plot. I know how it's structured. I, I'll, I'll be able to follow you through the conversation. Yeah. So the general idea of it, for those unfamiliar, is that it is an action show centered around a caveman and a dinosaur. And both of them have lost their families, and they're essentially clinging onto each other after getting over potentially blaming each other, but not really. B basically like a shonen, haha, funny, misunderstanding, now we are found family. Yeah. Both dealing with survivor's guilt all the time, oh god. And it is a visual showcase of violence and the horrors of the natural world done incredibly, incredibly creatively. Like, there's one uh, episode in the first season that is just a plague that corrupts you and turns you into a zombie. And it is one of the most disgusting, disfiguring, horrifying things I have ever seen animated. It makes me sick to look at it. It has those moments where I just turn away and go, ah, no, no, not going to look at that. That was the that was the Brachiosaurus, right? The long neck? Yes. Just, it's, it's just rampage for yes. the rest of its herd. Yes. Jeez. Disgusting. Incredible. Eventually, toward the end of the first season, he finds a human woman, and that's the first human contact he's had in forever. And the first season ends on a cliffhanger where he's rescued her, but she's been captured by slavers and taken across the sea. And this is Spear and the Dinosaur Fang's quest to cross the sea and get her back. It's a very, very straightforward story. The fascinating thing about Primal Season 2 is that it takes that initial concept of this is Primeval World and completely discards it. Yeah, it just it completely starts mixing and matching with whatever culture they feel like. Exactly. So there's an episode where he just fights through Vikings. There's an episode where he is captured by what is essentially Egyptians and then forced to go to like a series of 20 other cultures and viciously, viciously beat and murder all of them to take their goods because they are holding both good woman that he is rescuing and Fang's children that she laid hostage. Yes. And also, this is the only show that I've seen animate dinosaur egg laying. That was an experience to see. It is... One of the most immaculately animated shows of just violence and gruesomeness and the feeling of death and uncertainty I have ever seen. And then halfway through the season, there's just an episode about Charles Darwin. I, I don't re what? what? <laughs> yeah, they just flash forward to the era of Charles Darwin. And he's like, yes, I've studied primeval man. And there is a theory that I have. That when they're backed into a corner, we will result to our most primal of instincts. All and right. Laughed off, and they have to fight a man from an insane asylum who is getting off on his primal instincts. Huh. And that's just the entire episode. 
And then one of the philosophers who is doubting him goes full primal and just takes broken weapons and starts beating him with it. And there's no better feeling than seeing someone have a gun and use it as a melee weapon just out of (laughs) anger. Yes. And then he just looks at his hands. He looks at the destruction and Charles Darwin is very alive and goes, and that is my proof. Episode end. Fascinating. Beautiful. And then it just cuts back to them fighting the Vikings again. What this show does is it takes those quiet moments of Samurai Jack with no dialogue where the only emotion expressed is through eyes and small sound effects of motion. Mm -hmm. And it turns that, it weaponizes it, it turns it into its entire character arcs. And it's kind of beautiful. It's ugly as hell, but intentionally so and beautiful in how ugly it is. It's such a simple concept, and with how grave the world is, with how willing it is to damage anyone and anything, you feel like always your characters are at risk of dying. This show could move on to other characters. It has, for episodes, moved on to other characters. It can show that it can do that. And that makes every bit, every story, every interaction so compelling. Because you're at the point of, okay, is this where the dinosaur dies? Oh god, please don't. Oh god, there is no way he lived this. Holy shit, how did you live this? You are the best spear, I love you. I I think we talked about this a few episodes back, uh, I think for the boys. uh, Shock value for the sake of shock value and where it can and can't fit in. I think this is a perfect example of where shock value absolutely is for the better. 100% on that. Won't spoil how season 2 ends, but damn, that ended... Yeah, I, I do know how it ended, and, and damn, it did end like damn, that. Damn, yeah. It sure did. Why did she do that then? I get why, but gosh. Poor him and poor timing. her. It uh, was really neat that the devil showed up. Yeah, I, I love how it's just kind of a... It's just kind of a grab bag of whatever setting they kind of feel like showing. Yeah. And they can delve into as little or as much of the mythology as possible. Yeah. I, just, I, I love, there's a simple joy of just seeing different cultures interact like that. Absolutely. Through combat or through trade or whatever. Yes. It's just cool. I feel like this is now a show that has ascended past its original story. And now, if they want to, it can go anywhere. Absolutely. As long as it has its vibe and its feel and its thesis, then it can survive anything. Yeah, well, yeah, and dinosaurs. Well, not even dinosaurs, just the feeling of dinosaurs. If you can give me the raw emotion of dinosaur with, like, a beaver, I'll take it. <laughs> there, There's not much more to say on it. It's a show that gets at, like, one or two specific feelings, and oh god, it targets those feelings super hard. If you're unfamiliar, check it out. I, I got interested in it because I watched the um, final ep- season of Samurai Jack. The only yes. season of it I've seen, but like, holy shit, that was an amazing season. Oh, man. You should see the other seasons. They're better. All right. I'm, <laughs> I have issues with season five of Samurai Jack. Uh, d- d- conversation for a different day. Different bonus stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Ashi, you're naked. <laughs> right. That's, wh- that's the moment. But okay, this is the worst season. Alright, fair. But yeah, it, it's I, I feel weird seeing that it's a good show as I haven't like seen it fully. But like I saw one it. clip 
And it just went down a rabbit hole of watching 50 more. Yeah. It's such a... Uh, one of the most palpable tensions I've seen in animation. Yes. Throughout every action sequence. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't have much more to say. It's really good. It beat out me talking about season one of Cobra Kai and the Tony Hawk documentary. All right. I, 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 I'd agree with those priorities. That, that feels like the right... Yep, it was also up against season three of the latest He-Man cartoon, and I debated with that until the last second. <laughs> I'm like, do I want to talk about this cartoon made for seven-year-olds? Yes, very badly. <laughs> I don't know, someday I'll talk about He-Man. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Alright. Alright, let's wrap up with some comments. <laughs> All right, for our, for our first one, I just want to kind of just follow up on the question we asked, what the uh, mascot for Designing For should be. Uh-huh. My favorite response to that was saying that the first episode was Designing For Bloat. Your channel mascot would ex would be Peach's Birthday Cake, but for a mandatory 50 turns. <laughs> that was... There were a lot of good responses, but that one was my favorite. That's a good one. That's not even close to the first episode, but like... Right, you're, you're just a cake. That's fine. Uh, let's see. This was an interesting question uh, from Justin. Did you ever make a mistake in a game that just made you completely drop a game? Like deleting a save file, drop an important item, forget to save before getting a game over, sent, being sent back in hours? Like, stuff like that. The most heartbreaking loss I've ever accomplished was getting the Discon Trophy in Super Smash Bros. Melee which is the final trophy you can get. So that's essentially 100% completion of Super Smash Bros. Melee. Every bonus objective you can get. And I go to copy it to my friend's save file, and I go, well, you don't need yours, and I hover over my own save data and delete it. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Uh, another one was this year, and I reinstalled one of the old WWE games, and... Uh, Apparently, you need the DLC if you use DLC for your creator wrestlers. So I just like popped it in, and when I turned it on, it deleted the save data because it didn't have the DLC for it installed yet. So I lost like 50 creator wrestlers. Oh, damn. Which was about three hours of work each. Each? Each. Because that's full appearance, full entrance, full movesets. Ouch. Was it demoralizing enough that you just dropped the game completely? Um, I mean, I'll never drop Melee completely. I That WWE game, I'm never fucking touching again. But I know it's not quite the same thing as screwing up your save file, but just losing 100% completion is devastating to me. Um, though for... Actually, I have a nice uh, little story here, is that um, my sister... And I would play Sonic Adventure 2 together, and she would uh, raise Chow, and she had a favorite Chow, which I named Yoshi for some reason. I don't know why, but it was named Yoshi, and it was her favorite. We would play it together, and she was so careful about it, but she left. She just stayed in the Chow Garden for a very long time, and Chows slowly go to age, unfortunately. Oh, no. And she had spent so long in the garden without upping its stats and whatnot, that uh, instead of reincarnating, it went to die and eventually just faded away into nothingness. 
and she cried for a very, very long time. She wrote a letter to Santa Claus asking him to bring her chow back. She didn't need oh. any other presents. Yeah, so we kept, so we went back and we kept that save file in a state of perpetuity. And I opened another file of Sonic Adventure 2 and I rebuilt the chow garden to get her to as close to the same state as possible. Aww. And I said Santa did it. Okay, that is aggressively wholesome. That, 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 that's, that's adorable. Well done, you. You, you brothered good. Thank you. I think for- Oh, I know one for me. Um, you know Ark Survival Evolved? Yes. It, it's the survival game with dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't stand those types of games, but my brothers love them, so I'll occasionally play them with them. Mm-hmm. And especially Ark, because it's dinosaurs, and like- I've always wanted a game to ride a Velociraptor. It may be a bare bones one, but I can still do it, and that's what's important to me. So I, I was getting into it, kind of feeling it. Uh, was starting to build like a whole like flock of Ross. I don't know what you call a group of Velociraptors. Herd, gathering. I, whatever. I don't know. A murder of raptors. A murder of raptors. Hey, there you go. I like that. I was, I was getting again that they're starting to lay eggs to hatch even more. I was so happy. Didn't know that you had to equip like you, get, you can like um equip your dinosaurs with like food to keep them mm -hmm. alive. Right. I didn't know you needed to do that for the babies. And as I came back Ooh. and all the babies had starved to death. Ooh. And I was so depressed that I just I haven't gone to back to the game since. Yeah, I get that. Thankfully, I never, like, deleted a save file or anything like that. I've not quite gotten to there, that stage. I, went, I once dropped a Fire Emblem game for a really long time because I got Lynn killed in a bit of a loop so that the autosave just kept getting her killed. Ooh, Yeah. And I would have had to go back and redo the whole level. And it was just like, you know what? That was a long level. I don't want to do that again. I didn't come back to it for two years. Yeah. That's like the closest to that. But I don't know. That's Dead understandable. Raptors. Yeah. Oh, no, you. dead raptors are sad. And if we've learned anything from this, it's that dead children is bad. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, from uh, MattMC123, uh, a question that I think is more tailored towards you, but I like the idea behind it. Okay. Is there a video game that you think would work well as a theater production? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I don't want to say the ones literally modeled after theater productions like Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Kind of cheating, but like it would work for that Yeah, reason. or like Super Mario Brothers 3, because of course. Mm-hmm. Let me think, because there's an interesting amount of interactivity because... With a theater production, you have the audience there. They have to feed off of your energy. They contribute to you being there as much as anything else. So it has to be something with some level of improvisation, I feel. I don't know why, but the first thing my brain jumped to was No More Heroes. <laughs> Just to kind of see what would happen. I don't really have like an idea of no, like how be, it would be produced. That'd be funny, at least. You have a musical sequence that's just like a bunch of different fights. <laughs> exactly. And it's the only musical sequence in the show. Ugh, that'd be silly. I, it's hard trying to think of something that's like, because theatrical productions are very safe in general. They're subversive in how they're presented to you, but not so much in their material or structure. Mm -hmm. So it'd have to be a fairly straightforward one. I don't want to just say Undertale because that's the obvious one. But, like, it would work so simply and so well. I can see that, yeah. I I'd love a Donkey Kong theater production, like, styled after the cartoon. 
The cartoon is just local theater. Yeah, but that's why it would work. <laughs> yeah, but like everyone would be like, well, I see why you like it. I mean, kind of for the same reasons as Undertale, but Earthbound would work pretty well, I think. I don't think that its main cast more, has a strong enough personality. Mother 3? Mother 3 I could see working a lot better. I think it's, I think Mother 3 is long for a theater production, because it needs the time and the beats that it takes, but I think Mother 3 could work. You could get a really good off-Broadway show out of Amori. I could see it, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be big Broadway, but it would be slow, small budget sort of thing. That would work really well as subversive theater. Same thing with a lot of those survival horrors like Eeb. You could get a lot of Eeb. I would love to see just the theater version of the di- main character of Disco Elysium. <laughs> and just have different people. Oh, like, God, yes. Have him voice all of the different voices in his head while people just like carry around like random like spinning. I, I don't know, like streamers yeah. to show what the thought is or something like that. That'd be funny. The theater is actually just his mind. <laughs> Silent Hill 2 off-Broadway. That would do ooh, well. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good pick. For like a big Broadway show? Ah, gosh, I don't know. Sly Cooper? Like, if you just made it not animals, I think it would actually work fairly well. I can see it, yeah. You know what? Final Fantasy IX. Yes. I, I, it's obvious why, but like, yes. Yes, yep. I mean, you'd have to cut it into, like, three different plays, but you could work that. So I'm kind of just thinking of other... Yeah, I, I'm ideas. probably just going to keep digging. <laughs> I don't necessarily want it, like, one-to-one, but, like, what would a Conker's Bad Fur Day of a theater production look like? Just randomly stealing things from other theater productions? Uh, ugly. It would be very ugly. It would be, but, like, it might be kind of glorious at the same time. Uh-huh. Sam and Max. Done. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. There we go. Right, okay. Well, we'll, yeah, we we'll know that there. Actually, Grim Fandango <laughs> would be fantastic for it as well. Like, that's that's actually perfect, Grim Fandango. Yeah, so Grim Fandango, Sam and Max, Final Fantasy IX, Silent Hill 2. Yeah. That's the list. Oh, I like that list. All right, let's grab... Uh, I've seen this one asked a lot by the same person. I'll just throw this out real quick. Um, from Model... No, that's not what the word name is. Marshadow01. Uh, seen as how... Scarlet and Violet are coming soon. Uh, what's your favorite Pokemon? And ask specifically, what's your opinion on the Pokemon Marshadow? Marshadow's really nice. Uh, I really do enjoy Marshadow. I like the idea of this sort of accidental boogeyman Pokemon sort of scared of its own strength. If I'm remembering its lore correctly, that is. It's just sort of shy because of its uh, incredible power and looking to help, but it's bad at it. It's a, it's a Superman world of cardboard Pokemon, and I, I really appreciate that. And it's very cute. Uh, my favorite Pokemon is Cubone. Nice. Yeah, uh, Cubone, and then up there as well is uh, Meloetta, Snorlax, Hitmonchan, and Pangoro. Solid list. Uh, for Marshadow, for me, it's like the only modern mythical that I care about at all. That's fair. There's so many forgettable ones that have been recently, but like, Marshall's a little adorable dude. Oh shit, and Baynet. Baynet is really high for me. Sorry to interrupt, but I forgot yeah, no about Baynet no for worries. a second, and oh my god, I love Baynet. Like, uh, he's number two. Number two? Nice. Yeah. Uh, Cubone, Baynet, Melwes, Snorlax, Pangoro. Let's say that's the top five, yeah. I like it. Uh, I think for me, 
Like, there's so many of them, it's hard to sparse them out. Uh, Growlithe and Trico are definitely tied in first. That, that, that's easy for me. Those have always been my two favorites. That's understandable. Uh, Scyther's up there. Uh, I really like Genesect. That's a really sick Pokemon design. Really? Yeah, just, I, I, I've got a soft spot for the bug designs in Pokemon. I do really like the bug designs. Like, a lot of the other types have kind of just either gone too cartoony for me or too humanoid, but the bugs have always stayed solid. Yeah, for me, it's always ghosts. Ghosts, ghosts, too. ghosts, ghosts are really great. always a great type. Oh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm blanking so hard on this. I can recite the Poke Rap if it would help you. <laughs> uh, it, um, it, it's mostly just a lot of Gen 1 Pokemon. I didn't really grow up with the game. I didn't, like, get to the games until much, much later in the series. But I did, like, I watched the Pokemon movie, had a couple trading yeah. cards. And it, that was always very centered around the first generation. So I've just got a huge soft spot for most of those Pokemon. Like, I love Gengar. I love Onix. Yeah. A lot of the, the general staples. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling because okay. I'm trying to think of an interesting one. You're like, oh yeah, that, that's, that guy's got some personality and my brain's just coming up. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, I could just sit here and say like, yeah, I freaking love Blacephalon. And that's true. I love Blacephalon. And that's the one no one else will celebrate. Oh, you know, I, I like the, um, just the dragonfly style, dragonfly styled ones. Um, Yanma, oh, yeah, Omega, and Flygon. Like, yeah. Those ones I've always, I've always loved. I wish Yanma were anything, but yeah. Those are neat. I could probably yeah. think of more with time, but I'd need to see, like, a list. <laughs> okay. Let's grab... I think we've uh, mentioned this, answered this a couple of times, but not in this way. Okay. From a generic Nintendo fan, what genre would you like any of your favorite series to try out? Like, we kind of talked about different, like, crossovers and stuff. I don't think we've yeah. actually tackled this from this angle i'd like to see any game try to be an adventure game or a visual novel i want to see if your series can exist in the written word and in a sense of wit like that's open for any series to tackle because i feel like it's something that any series can openly do even if you're like oh well how would a mario adventure game work uh Hello, Detective Baby Rosalina exists. <laughs> and not only that, there have been two murder mysteries in Paper Mario games, and they're good every time. Like, it's not so much that your theme needs to work, it's just that do you have an interesting enough world to carry an adventure game? And if so, then you deserve to explore your world in some way. Sorry, I'm just trying to think of, like, how different ones would work. I'm picturing a... Uh a Metroid game styled after, like, the Telltale series. I think I kind of love that, actually. Yeah, I could feel that. I would go for Telltale, like... I would do it more of how you affect the planet as opposed to how you affect other characters, but... Maybe set in the universe, then. Not necessarily centered on Samus. Mm -hmm. Like, other characters ranking around her. Even that, I, I feel like Metroid's strength is its interaction with nature and its interplay. True, true. I I'd yeah. agree with that. Let's see... I want Metroid to go full horror someday. Like, j just just to try it. Because it's always been good at, like, creating those small little moments. Mm -hmm. But I feel like just going full-on, like, alien isolation style with just how terrifying some of those creatures could be could be a really compelling experience. Yeah. I'd love to see some more, like, relaxed games 
in like like action settings, like, like like say like a like a simulation game in the Zelda series, just. For a world that I am already heavily invested in, I love a more chill way to interact with that world. Mm -hmm. Makes any sense. Like, I love Stardew Valley Zelda, something like that. So, dating sim, Animal Crossing. But instead of dating, it's friendship. But it's the Tokimeki memorial style where you're trying to uh, manage everyone's relationships with each other. Oh! And trying not to get them upset at you for spending too much time with one other character. Okay, you, you 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 were losing me heavily, but you you picked I, it up at the I last I understand <laughs> that, but like, there's no other way to call the genre. But like, yeah, no, yeah, I'm I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. I just love just more rhythm games in general. I feel like any series can have a rhythm game if you think hard enough. You just need to find a way to convey it in an interesting way. Nah, Metroid needs better songs. I okay. There are five good songs in Metroid, and you know all of them already. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Metroid's more designed around, like, atmospheric sounds over, like, actual, like, banger hits. Yeah, but they still have that one that goes da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, and that one's good, and they've never topped it. Yeah, true. Ah, anything else? I'm sure I could keep thinking of others. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely sure, like... If I think of a series that doesn't have a fighting game where it would work, then that as a fighting game. <laughs> oh, yo, on on the adventure side of things, I love a like like a Rayman game. It's like in the style of like Sam and Max or something Ooh, like that. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that'd be that, great. That'd fit really well. Oh, the Telltale style for Pikmin, I think, would work really well. I could see it. Yeah. Because then you have interactions with your fellow captains like. Maybe more in the style of their Tales from the Borderlands game, but yeah. See, that proves it. Tales from the Borderlands shouldn't work, and it works amazingly. (laughs) Yeah. I can't think of a series whose writing I hate more than Borderlands, except like Duke Nukem. And somehow they made it work amazingly. Make everything an adventure game. All right. Adventure game where you help Dr. Neo Cortex overcome his depression. <laughs> I think just one more to kind of build off of that. A Persona game where you actually go into the mines and actually figure that stuff out, like, adventure style. Ah, oh, you should play Psychonauts. I should. I really Th- need to. That's just Psychonauts. I know. But, like, actually speaking to somebody's, like, psyche, if you're, if you're a good enough writer, that could be amazing. Yes, that's just Psychonauts. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I, I hear you, but the game exists. Okay, let's grab maybe a few more. Uh, I talked about this comment earlier um, from uh, Adi Indradevi. I was wondering about Fire Emblem and how it could branch out into other themes besides medieval Europe. After all, it has similar themes for 15 out of 16 games at this point. It's starting to blend in a bit. Although I cannot see it progressing past the medieval area technology-wise, it'd be interesting to see other cultures. We saw a bit of it in Conquest, but in my mind it wasn't enough. Puts forward a, an idea for a game based on ancient India. It's loosely inspired by the Mahabharata. I'm sure I said that wrong. Do you think it'll be a good idea for a franchise as a whole to make a game that has a d- different setting while still trying to retain the spirit of the whole franchise? Uh, yes, please. Yeah. It's one of the best ways to inject more life into a series. I'd point to God of War as an easy example of that. Yeah. I think the best time Fire Emblem ever did it was with uh, the Tellius games, where it's still very much medieval Europe, but you had a very distinct culture for all of the Laguz tribes. 
there was a different sense and a different a different differentiation for them god i'm repetitive but anyway and then they bring in fe10 they bring in the wolf tribe and they have the full desert nomad sort of get up that is nowhere else in the game and that's really cool that's an actual other culture you just limited it to two characters I understand why people don't do it more, because, like, trying to bring in, like, multiple cultures into the same way is a lot of extra work. Frankly, people just aren't very familiar with multiple cultures, usually. People generally make media around whatever one thing they're the most familiar with, which is usually where they grew up with. Yeah. If you want to make, like, accurate music, you gotta, like, like get multiple musicians with, like, different specialities, character design. It's, it's It's a whole mess, but when they actually do the work and do it well... Ah, it's my favorite thing in the world. Like, I I hate to use Ghost of Tsushima as an example, because that's just America making a Japanese game. Mm -hmm. But it is an example of, like, that you can do that. With enough research and just, like, getting help from other people, you can make that, and you can make that very well. Right. And on the other end of the spectrum, you can make Metal Wolf Chaos, and it'll be the greatest vision of America that has ever been made. (laughs) Is Is that the one where it's just, like... Just the president of the United States. Yes. Just, yes. Yes, it's that one. <laughs> Suck on my missile punch. Richard. <laughs> I haven't felt this great since I went to go up to the grocery store and get my favorite candy and it was on sale. <laughs> and that is because is I am the president thing. of these great United States of America. Yeah. I, I don't mind if it's accurate or if it's hyper, hyper realized. I enjoy it either way. It's yes. So but, like, to answer the question, absolutely. It's honestly one of the best ways to, like, attract attention to your, to a franchise that's getting stale. He's like, yeah. oh, here's this thing, but in a different area. Assassin's Creed's been surviving off of that for, like, a decade now. But yes, I agree. More Fire Emblem in different places. I would love to see it. Yes. Make Barth the president of the United States. <laughs> Make it so that you have to add amendments to the Constitution for your social links. Uh, oh, that'd be great. I kind of love that. Uh, we have to sign this bill in so that we can date dragons? Oh gosh, the romance options that a game like that would be awful. <laughs> it would be awful. Uh, let's, let's, let's grab one more comment. Alrighty. Uh, from... I apologize for how poorly I'm going to pronounce this. Alejandro Sandove Urina. Uh, simple question here. Favorite Robot Master slash Mega Man boss in general? So my boring answer and the accurate answer is Dr. Wily. Because I love Wily as a character. Like That he is, is indeed the boring answer, but I respect I know, like He is by far my favorite Mega Man character in all of its universes. Just, I love the old Robot Master contests, and he's just going to children saying, how do you think I should beat Mega Man? Give me your ideas. <laughs> and like, Dr. Wily, the hero of Japan for wanting to kill a robot. So good. Got kids thinking about level design and character design in interesting ways. Such a great guy, that Dr. Yeah. Wily. He's a pioneer of our society. Mm-hmm. Something the little kids learn. Yeah. Uh, let's see who else really stands out to me. I, I have like no experience with Mega Man General, so this is easy to answer. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, the answer for me is Storm Eagle. That is entirely based off of Terminal Montage's music video about Storm Eagle. But it's yeah. a good music video, so I think I say it counts. <laughs> yeah, that that's totally fair. I really like the general design of Ballade 
from uh, Mega Man 4 for the Game Boy. Just a really, really appealing color palette. Uh, Farewell to Belade is a fantastic song, and when it was remixed in Mega Man 10, they did an amazing job making this level refrain very, very somber and sad, which is hard to do with the Mega Man sound font. Yeah. Just pure design-wise, I love that Charge Man has a train for a head. (laughs) That just makes me incredibly, incredibly happy. Clown Man is hideous, and I love him. Who else is there that really appeals to me? Shade Man. Shade Man has a great design. It's just a robot vampire. I love it. Nice. I love how they were willing to break bodies with Frost Man and just make him a giant full realization of essentially what Guts Man would be if he were an igloo. Mm -hmm. That makes me really happy. I like Mega Man bosses with non-standard bodies. Uh, The... Enemies from the Wily Tower, like Buster G being based off of Sun Wukong as a robot master. That's a really cool design. Uh, Snake Man is simple, but he works. He works real good. For sure. God, there are a lot of great robot masters from the Battle Network series, but my mind is blanking on them. Let me look up Mega Man Battle Network, because I'll have to link you to them. Uh, I will always appreciate that a Mega Man fought x5 boss is just named duff mcwhalen and it's just a giant metal whale i just looked it up yeah that is hilarious yeah uh skull man is a very simple design but it works because like yeah it just does oh that's right a man's battle network design that's a really really good design that's really really solid it's just it's just an anime but it's a real good anime oh yeah i just looked it up but that is very anime but like it works. Yeah, same thing with Plantman, Plantman.exe, who is just another anime, but he's a really pretty anime, shut up. And it's such an upgrade from regular ass Plantman, who is a disaster. Uh yeah, I think that's th- th- that that's a wide web. I'm just going at designs at this point and going, like it, yes. So <laughs> those. And and Splash Woman's pretty. Nice. Alrighty. Man, I, I brought literally like four games this time. I'm aware. <laughs> Ow. How does this always happen? We can't keep getting away with this. I was so looking forward to eating lunch at noon. <laughs> That's the whole point of why. Ah, it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, please leave comments in the comments with the hashtag DDG comment. Is, th- is that what I made up months ago? Uh, no, yeah, that- that's correct. That's correct. If you want for us to look at your comments and get featured in the comments and leave feedback on what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like about the episode, how I've enlightened you to play games, talk to me, please. I read the comments and I get bored. (laughs) Yeah, thanks everyone for watching and listening, whether you be on YouTube or on Spotify. Yes, Uh, thank you. I, I don't know how we were able to talk about this long about so few things, but that's just who we are, I suppose. It's it's our brand now. We managed it. You stuck around to listen to it, so I guess it works. (laughs) We'll see you all next month. We'll probably be gushing a lot about Sparks of Hope and not much else. I might play Xenoblade. I don't know. Ah, Me too. We'll see. We'll see. Alrighty. Later, everyone. Goodbye, all.